episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on June the 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, trying out new things. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games we've played this past week. Microsoft is to shut down Mixer on July 22nd. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Remake gets a demo on August 14th, but only if you pay for it. Nintendo is reportedly cooling its commitment to mobile games. We'll be discussing the Steam top releases for May of 2020. And we will have a Steam discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, bacon? Uh, well, I don't have any bacon right now. I need to defrost some bacon. I should do the same. I think I've got like five or six pounds of bacon left in my freezer. We uh, got like a big box that had like 20 pounds of bacon in it. I think it, there's only like two or three. No, I think there's two packages of bacon, but there's also a couple of uh, sausage in there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's breakfast sausage and there's the, the beef sausage. Yeah, I've got a lot of sausage. I've got. Yeah, and then there's the stuff in your freezer. Hi, oh. Yeah, we've got, I think, 15 pounds of, of beef sausage right now. Oh. Five pounds of goat sausage. Well, that's a new one. Yep. My, uh, my parents have a farm. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So one of the they don't raise goats anymore, but they used to raise goats. Well, obviously they used to raise goats. All that was left of the goats is now in in our freezer. Yeah, well, you better eat it quickly, otherwise it'll go bad. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. I love you. <laughs> I've spent way too much time around you. Yeah, indeed, you have. So I guess that does it for tonight. You can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, uh, folks. Hit them with the socials. Yeah. Fuck all those news, all those topics we just said. <laughs> we spend too much time together. We're too much alike now. Yeah, oh, I made God. you a, a, a cynical get off my lawn. A cynical I'm... old bastard, and you're just yeah. full of bad puns and stupid jokes. Uh, to be fair, I've always been uh, full of bad puns and stupid jokes. It's just I have an outlet for them now. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm in like a, a, a weird but good state because I'm on vacation this week. So my sleep schedule is fucked up. Hardcore. I'm just like staying up until I'm ready to go to bed and mm-hmm. like sleeping until either I wake up on my own or I have to get up. Like I had to get up. Uh, this morning, well, I say this morning, it was like 10 when I actually got up, which to some people might be like, oh, that's not that late for me. God, that's so late. Usually I'm up by 6.30 or 7 every day. Yeah, and mine's a little jank because uh, I got a new assistant manager or assistant supervisor, I guess I should say. Got a kitten to go with the cat. He, uh, She needed a minion. And he's only six weeks old, so he's still at the, you know, at, you know, need to attend him a bit. He's so cute. Yeah. You're going to have to get some internet points this week. <laughs> Put his picture somewhere. Uh, uh, go to Illegally Small Cats. Illegally Small Cats? Yeah, that's a thing. I assume that's a subreddit? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Illegally Small, S-M-O-L, Cats. 
Here, I'll send it to you on Discord because, you know, uh, we, we need to go down a rabbit trail right now, right? Sure, right off the bat. I mean, we don't have many news topics to talk about, so let's talk about cats. <laughs> Forgot the last thing you sent me was the uh, PS5 meme. <laughs> and I found a better one for the tw- uh, for the tweet. Yeah, I saw. Oh, those are, yep, those are small cats. Small, small, so small. His eyes just opened. Very cute. Oh, and the flare is criminally small. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go peruse. I'm not, I mean, I like cute cats for sure, but I don't spend a lot of my time on the internet looking at pictures of cute cats. Or at least uh, the animal. Hey. Actually, no, I don't look at very many cute ones of those either. I look for sexy cat. Wink. No comment. That's probably a smart move. Um. So last week, I like, we went on a two or three minute sort of digression about how I don't like Adam Sessler. And I figured I would like, I already said this to you, but I'll just clarify for anyone who cares in the audience. Yeah. Like nobody said anything about it, but I feel compelled to explain oh, myself. Oh, 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 that just means they agree. <laughs> yes. Um. So I did do like a, a little bit of research and my two hangups with him was when I have at least was first made aware of him. He was doing some really cringy stuff for G4, like a lot of like really cringy, bad, like sketch related stuff. Also known um, as G- being on G4. Yeah. I fair. mean, you have to admit that because yeah. looking back at G4, I was slightly too old for G4. And yeah. I absolutely hated them for replacing Tech TV. But a lot of it was was cringy, and some of it came off as like really skeezy. Um, and then he had a, a brief stint where he had partnered with Anita Sarkeesian for some stuff. And yeah, which oh boy, right? I don't want to go off on a whole diatribe about Anita, Anita Sarkeesian. I don't think that she's like the Antichrist, but also she made a lot of really bad faith arguments, and so I don't respect her very much. And I will, I mean, if anyone wants to talk to me about it more fully you know, all the socials that we mention on every episode, like hit me up and I'll happily talk with you about it, but I don't want to go on a 30 or 40 minute discussion about all of that right now. So suffice it to say between those two things, I just kind of was like, all right, I'm, I don't really like you very much, Adam. And like I said before, who knows? I don't know the guy. I've never met him or interacted with him in any capacity. So Possibly he could be like the greatest dude ever. I don't know, but just my uh, yeah. But that's highly unlikely. Let's be honest. <laughs> my my opinion of him was formed based kind of on those couple of things. So yeah, but then looking around, who right? Yeah, some people are saying some things about him right now. Although with a lot of people being, what's the right word? Called out. I'm doing air quotes. Called out for not liking The Last of Us Two because they're air quotes transphobic. And some other stuff like yeah, I don't know how much of that, that is real or not. That, either has me always take pause with putting uh, politics into gaming. Not the fact that games can be political because they can, but people pushing their own politics into a game or into critique of a game because then if you disagree, suddenly hey, they have a weapon against you. Yeah. I will not say any. You know, the game just came out. I won't say anything that's like spoilery. I think there are a lot of valid reasons to not like The Last of Us 2 from a storytelling and a gameplay perspective, from what I know. Not just because, oh, I don't like that two girls kissed or that that one's, one person is, is trans. 
like or maybe trans who knows right yeah because yeah. there's also a lot of projection on more masculine looking women yeah so you know i yeah i don't really care to play it i probably never will so like as soon as there was a controversy i immediately went and looked up what it was and read through and like figured out what all this or you know got all the spoilers and everything i think there's a lot of reasons that someone could not like the game that aren't because they're transphobic or homophobic or whatever but what what is it is it the dunning kruger effect where you can't tell the sarcasm apart from the actual pose law pose okay pose law what's the dunning kruger effect uh someone that is so inept at something that they think they're an expert. Ah, okay. Basically, they know so little about something that they uh, think that it's simple and uh, say that they're an expert. Not saying any politicians per se, but... Uh. Right. Uh, but let's see, Poe's Law is an adage of internet culture saying that without a clear indicator of the author's intent, it's possible to create a parody of extreme views so obviously exaggerated that it cannot be mistaken by some readers for a sincere expression of the views being parodied. That's Poe's Law. Yeah, I think that, that a lot of the stuff around Last of Us 2 is an example of Poe's Law. And of course, my, my favorite one, my favorite internet law. effect? No, no, even that's a good one as well. Godwin's Law. Godwin's Law. Godwin, uh, the creator of Godwin's Law explains why some... Uh, n- uh, uh, you know, whenever a pop-up comes up. Okay, Godwin's Law. A term that in, it originated on Usenet, Godwin's Law states that as long as the internet argument grows longer and more heated, it becomes increasingly likely that somebody will bring up Adolf Hitler or the Nazis. <laughs> That's amazing, but also very true. <laughs> what's what's the other one? Uh, or Well, there's probably a lot, but the the one I'm thinking of is the one where it's like you can skip the first third of any video to get to I think that's uh, just YouTube. Uh uh the Watsford Constant. Yeah. Uh Watsford Constant I hadn't heard a, a proper term for it, but the Watsford Constant is the idea in 2011 meme that one could safely skip past the first 30% of any YouTube video without missing any important content. That actually so I've I've tested that on other stuff as well and that applies to a lot of things you can skip the first about the first third of a lot of stuff and not miss anything important kind of like our show you can Uh, skip all of this and not really miss anything i I was about to say third boy you're lowballing yeah fair play fair play so yeah um that was that was that that's why i don't like adam sessler all those things we just discussed and then i guess briefly the last of us two and then getting down to internet walls, we're going to have to uh, have a discussion off uh, mic as well before too long this okay. week sometime. Okay. About what? Is Episode this something... numbers. Do what? Episode numbers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, But for now, let's discuss some games and stuff that we've played. So the Steam... What was the thing he called? Yes. The the Steam thingy where they had like hundreds of demos and being sort of put up and all of the developer discussions and things. Very cool. We played a few. Um, we have one that we shared 
but mm-hmm. in total you had four so, we're, so we're going to talk about the demos first okay oh well <laughs> yeah no uh we'll it's talk, the Steam games festival yeah it's it's all together uh it's How, the Steam games festival summer edition yeah so i'll i'll mention that and then say and then we'll like get away from it when we talk about the games that we played this week rach unless you want to change the order but yeah uh, that's- let's just go for how we have uh things because what the hell at this point uh, what do we need another diversion right right fuck you organization <laughs> preparedness go for it rach so uh i borrowed my girlfriend's uh ds for the last couple weeks on and off she got a 3ds so she had an old uh ds actually and i've been playing through some of her games and the one i've been playing the most lately has been mario 3d land now people remember i had a rather lukewarm reception to the last mario game i played which i believe was sunshine right yeah i think so and i think my problem just is i don't really care for 3d mario or i should say full-on 3d because mario 3d land it's more old retro style Mario where yes, there are puzzle elements to the levels, but it's more the retro feeling of get from point A to point B uh, with a few challenges along the way. And it's, it's not really a 2d. It's not really a 3d because it's running along a, that, you know, it's kind of blurring that line. So it released on the 3ds I'm playing on 2ds. So, I do have some issues where hardware limitations because there's some levels that really try to push the 3D aspect of it. And it just doesn't work all that well just because it, you know, I'm on a older system and I lap the depth, but, you know, I even looked at, you know, on the 3DS, not this particular game, but the 3D effect on the 3DS just is like instant headache for me. It just does not agree with me at all. So uh, th- there is that issue of playing it on older hardware, but uh, it's a good feeling retro-ish Mario game with uh, some new twists on it. So it starts off pretty easy going through the first set of worlds. And I say set, we'll get to that. And it's pretty much you know, same Mario story, Bowser does something, kidnaps Princess Peach, and hey, uh, time to go get laid. We're going to go save the princess, right? Woo! Well, in this one, he destroyed a tree that released all the tanuki leaves into the world. So some enemies have tanuki tails. Uh, The tanuki uh, suit makes a return in this game. Uh, From Mario 3, I think, was the last time it was in play. I could be mistaken on that one. I'm not a Mario scholar. Uh, but it does change up some things. It does uh, make it so that like uh, some Goombas are able to f- uh, fly and uh, be able to attack more than just you know, uh, running Leroy Jenkins at you, for example. And I mentioned that it's not really a 2D or a 3D game. There are sections where it's more of running along essentially a 2.5D landscape where it's a long strip of land or uh, level. And you're able to be back and forth a little bit, but it's more just going left or right. But then there's more open world levels where it's sort of like the uh, 3D or more 3D style Mario where it's a bit more puzzle platformy, but it's still the main objective is to get to the end of the level. 
for the most part. Also hidden all the levels are large coins. And they come into play with the progression system later on. So the first set of levels, it's just finish all the worlds or finish every level, get to the end, defeat Bowser or defeat enemy posing as Bowser, and then save the princess. Well, turns out while you're off saving the princess, the competent brother got kidnapped as well. So you have to go save him in the special world, which is where the large coins come into play, where they are essentially a, uh, a gate, a progression gateway. You need so many coins to be able to unlock the end castle to be able to save your brother, you know, Luigi. So once you save Luigi, it unlocks the full set or uh, the second uh, special world. And I'm not sure what we're leading up to at this point, but you also have Luigi as a playable character. And like most games where Luigi is playable, he is the more, I would say, advanced uh, character where he has a little bit of attraction issues, but he's able to jump higher and further. So it makes uh, some of the levels uh, play quite differently just because they're built around Mario's jump distance. Mm -hmm. But also the second playthrough as I'm going through and collecting all the coins to get the uh, next set of world or the next world unlocked. Well, one unlocks the full world in one big chunk. So you don't have to worry about playing every single level. And there's some levels that I'd much rather not play again, like uh, the boo cast or the boo houses, for example, from like, I think they're super Mario world is where they originally come from, where you have to worry about, uh, you know, things chasing and that sort of thing, along with charm jumps, not fun. Uh, but it also is a lot tougher on the second playthrough, and it changes up things. Sometimes it's just minor things, like there's extra enemies or, you know. But then there's the speed run aspect, where certain levels, you have 30 seconds, and you have to pick up clocks along the way to add to your timer, or on some levels, you actually have to just kill an enemy, and there's only a handful of enemies, and those are actually amazingly fun challenging as hell but fun and this is the most fun i've had with a mario game in a long time outside of going back to like your old nes games so yeah it's actually been quite the blast for me uh they also introduced a couple other things uh they introduced another power up uh they introduced the uh the boomerang brother uh, suit uh it the uh another version of it appears in mario 3 the hammer brother well this is a boomerang version of that and for some of the challenges getting the large coins you have to use certain power-ups to be able to get to them which uh, adds a little bit more stress to be able to get through there's a kind of a give me a mechanic in the first playthrough where if you hit a lot of trouble you'll get essentially a permanent star to be able to just get through to get to at the end of the level to progress to progress on but i only had to use that i think Really had to use it twice. And one of them was in the boo houses where it just there was a lot of time jumps out, just couldn't quite hit properly. Mm-hmm. Well, with the added pressure of uh, you know, something chasing you. But at the first playthrough, quite ac- accessible. Second playthrough, they start to ramp up the challenge. And I think that there's a couple more uh, playthroughs after this where they change things up even more. Uh, there's a, a street pass system, which I don't I haven't really gotten to use where. Uh, every day you have mystery levels that pop up where it's just you're locked in a room and you have to kill the enemies in it and it gives you a coin. But if you 
hit somebody with street pass, it exchanges data and you get what rooms they generated and a possibility of more coins. And it also resets the toad houses, which gives you items. And you're also able to carry a power up with you as well. Uh, for, uh, for example, for some of the more challenging areas or for certain, you know, uh, certain challenges or or certain pick up a, a a large coin, it may be better to carry that additional power up in your secondary slot instead of your as your active power to protect it. So there's a lot more st- strategy involved than I was really expecting, but it's not just a puzzle platformer as well, like the uh, th- uh, full on 3D console Mario's. But yeah, a lot of fun actually. Well, good. I personally am not the biggest fan of most mario titles i would say the first playthrough is accessible enough that you wouldn't have trouble with it i know you're not a big platformer fan yeah um i've certainly yeah, but, played a few platformers that i like but it, it falls into that genre of like for me eh, you know well there's uh, some levels that uh have a really nice theme to them like uh there's one where you're going on to different sprites of old NES Nintendo characters, mostly mm-hmm. uh, Mario characters, but then there, I think there was Samus in there for one as a like an Easter egg, uh, and it's just it has the retro music, the chip tune music, and when you get to the end of the level to jump on the flagpole, it brings the camera all the way down so you're looking side on, and you're forced to in uh, so you can't fall off, and it looks like the old NES original Super Mario Brothers uh, end level. So, yeah, little touches like that. And there's a lot of diversity in the levels. So, yeah, very nice. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. It sounds like both of us are going to start having a few more Nintendo things. Yeah, I have. The way. I, yeah, actually, I have my <laughs> yeah. DS inbound with a couple games. Yep. And as I mentioned last week, I bought a Switch. Um, are you done yeah. before I jump over? Yeah, I think I'm done. Uh, I'm, okay. Like I said, I'm on my second playthrough and I'm playing pretty much. Uh, just as Luigi now, because uh, even though sometimes uh, his lack of traction gets me into more trouble, uh, be able to clear some of the jumps uh, that I would have to have more timing for uh, is a lot nicer. For example, one of the alternate levels or one of the special levels uh, in the original playthrough, uh, it's uh, red, yellow, and blue blocks. Okay. Uh, that uh, one, uh, are like red, yellow, blue lights up uh, or fills in as solid. And then they all disappear in the special level. Uh, it's on a timer. So red lights up, then uh, that goes away as yellow goes up, then goes away as blue goes up and then goes away as red goes up. It would tighten the timing quite significantly, but being able to just use Luigi to either jump the entire puzzle or be able to like land on the middle one. Uh, makes it a lot more accessible to me. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Animal Crossing, but on the way, I've got Mario plus Rabbit's King to Battle and a game called Battle Worlds Kronos. I, I got both those on eBay pretty cheap because I missed the big Nintendo eShop digital sale. Like the day that I got my Switch was the last day that the sale was going. And I was like, oh, I'll take a look at this later. I'm tired. And then the next day the sale was over. Yeah, so I got... didn't get... Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, I got well with my DS. I have Mario Kart Seven coming uh, as a pack-in title, which is fairly nice. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Professor Layton, <clears throat> uh, the first game in the series, and Peggle Deluxe, and I have a bid on Rune Factory 4. And plus, I could uh, also sponge a couple games for my girlfriend. Nice. I'm not going to touch her Pokemon game because, or games, I should say, because she has the entire set. And I'd much rather not, you know, end up in a shallow grave. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I've been playing Animal Crossing uh, New Horizon. Um, that was the only game that, like, the guy gave me when I bought the Switch, which is fine. I wanted that one, so I was happy. Um, I've played it for about eight hours, give or take a little bit, in the past week. It's interesting. So this is not a criticism to anyone who really loves the game. I don't think it's fun, but it is nice, if that makes sense. Like, for someone like me and you, and probably most of the people in our audience, like, we have played games... um, like Harvest Moon and, um, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. The one that we did for Game Club. Um, Stardew Valley. Yeah, Stardew Valley and things like that. And in terms of the sort of growing things and gathering things to sell and sort of building your little house and decorating, this is like a very light version of all of that. It's very cute. Um and everything is sort of nice and happy. But from a gameplay perspective, like, it's not very fun or engaging, but it's just really nice and relaxing. Um, there's really no stakes, any progression. Like, the stuff that you have is is kind of given to you just generally as, like, suggestions. Like, Tom Nook, uh, anyone who's familiar with the series, he's the raccoon who, like, sets you up with your house and every game previously and your mortgage and your mortgage. And he sets you up with your, so in, in new horizons, you get like an Island that you're on. So he sets you up with like your little Island and your house there. Although you start with a tent, but he's just like, yeah, you know, take all the time you need to pay me back. Don't worry about it. No interest. Just hang out, have a good time. You can go talk to him and ask for suggestions and he'll be like, Oh, you could collect bugs today and you could give them to, the museum man, which has a name. He's like a, a nice little owl man. You know, you can go give bugs to the museum man, or you can catch fish and, um, you know, collect those. Or you can go and you could collect fruit and give fruit to people or plant flowers. And it's all just very nice and relaxing. Um, you know, as someone who d- hasn't played any of those games, you know, or hasn't played a, lo- a history with a, a lot of games like this, I think it's a really good introduction into this type of game where it's like you're doing a little bit of gardening, a little bit of farming, collecting and selling some stuff, building up to a thing, you know, some goals. And then for, for someone like me, it's just nice and relaxing to listen to podcasts and lay in bed uh, with the dog or with my wife while she sleeps. But she's like, cause you know, she, she comes home some days is like, Hey, I've had a bad day. I just need like some company to sit in the room like, will you do that? And traditionally, I've been like, yeah, and I'll get my Kindle and play in on that or my laptop or something, and we'll just hang out in the bedroom or in the living room. But this week when that's happened, it's like, yeah, I'll get the Switch and I'll play Animal Crossing and, you know, we'll turn on some TV or something in the background. Watch some Space Force. Yeah. And uh, 
but it's great for that. Or like at nighttime when I want to kind of unwind a little bit before bed, I'll turn off my computer and go sit in my recliner and listen to some music and play Animal Crossing. Like for me, that's the type of game it is. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Like I've, I, I, that's a good thing for people. I think that's why when all of this started and the whole world, well, I won't say caught fire, I guess. Because you didn't a, start the fire? Hey. <clears throat> but when everyone went into lockdown um, initially, it was just like a nice, like, no, everything's cool. Everything's chill. Take your time. You know, just do what you need to do. And I think that was really comforting for a lot of people. And honestly, yeah, like it's comforting for me as well. It's a very good thing for people who who deal with depression and anxiety because everything is just nice. Everyone on the island are cute little animal people, which has always been, been the thing with Animal Crossing. I don't know if there are. I mean, it's in the title. I don't know if there are other humans. Have there been other, other humans other than your character in any Animal Crossing game? Um, but they've upped the amount of customization you can do both to your house and your character with things like clothes and decorations and a crafting system, which might have existed in another one that I don't remember. Because um, I've played a few Animal Crossing games before. Um, you're given uh, an an island and you get several randomly generated islands to choose from. And that doesn't really do anything except just kind of change the layout. Um, so mine's got like a big river that runs through it. And uh, you get to place down your initial plot of land and a, each, it, at least so far, each subsequent character that shows up to the island, you get to place their initial plot of land. The only thing that I didn't get to place was sort of Tom Nook's thing, like the town square kind of equivalent that's got like the shop and uh, uh, the in- initial like crafting station where you can make the things that you need, like, you know, basic tools or uh, decorations and things like that. Um, you know, from a gameplay perspective, there are a few things that are kind of annoying, I suppose, like you, you've got no real way to tell your stuff breaks because of course it does like your, your little ax and your fishing rod and your net and your shovel and et cetera, like they break, but you have no indication of when they're going to break. And I, I think it's just kind of random. Like you can use them for a while. And then it's at a certain point, it's kind of like a background check is being made. Like every time you use it, like, okay, this is the thing break. Because sometimes I'll use an axe like 15 times and it'll break. And sometimes I'll use it 25 or 30 times and then it breaks. Um, And if there's some other thing that governs it, I can't figure that out because you don't really get any indication of that stuff. And you can't, you can't craft a bunch of things at once. Like you can't say, I want to craft five axes. You have to craft an ax and you go through like this little animation where you craft it, which is cute. And then everyone like claps like, yay, you did it. And it's really happy. And then it's like, do you want to craft some more? And you click yes. And then you craft another thing and you do it again. Um, It's got cute daily updates. Um, So the game, once you get through sort of the tutorial period, the game progresses in real time and syncs up with the actual calendar and clock for your region. So, you know, if I turn it on right now, it would be the middle of the night. Um, so because I usually play it at Tom, nighttime, Tom Nook going around at everybody's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because Damn I usually play Panda. Yeah. Because I usually play at nighttime. I don't see my Island very often in the day, but I mean, I have a couple of times it's fine. It doesn't really make a difference. Their Island residents wander around, you know, you can go into their houses whenever. I don't know if, cause it starts with like two residents and then, more start showing up over time. I don't know if there's like a specific order they show up in or if it's randomized. Um, 
you know, I could look it up, but I don't really think it matters all that much. Um, but, you know, I don't, I, I see why it's appealing to people. Um, it's not something that I'm going to like be regularly reaching for. There are certain, there are like daily bonuses that you can get if you should come in every day. The system, you know, I see where the system is rife for like microtransaction abuse, but there's none of that in it. Um, and Nintendo, I think, has got a pretty good track record with that in their console games. Their mobile games are garbage for that. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. As far as their console games go, they're pretty good about not abusing it. So there, there's like two currencies in game in the game. There's the bells, which have always existed, and that's you know just general money. And then there's there are these things called Nook Miles, which you get for as sort of like a reward for your achievements in game. And you can get the use those to get special seasonal cosmetics and. Um, unlock a few other things um it's got a handy dandy thing where if you get stuck like in the terrain or something it's like a rescue helicopter and it comes and picks you up and resets you back in front of your house so that's nice um they've done away with some of the other stuff because in previous games like when you sprinted it would tear up the grass but it doesn't do that anymore um so i get what's appealing to people it's just really nice and relaxed um and enjoyable experience okay well now on to the Steam Game Festival Summer Edition. We each picked out some demos, and I kind of prompted you to try out one. So I'll go first. Everybody has that game that they kind of suck at, but yeah, are drawn to, right? Yeah. Well, you know the Dark Souls, you know, die over and over again for. For me, it was Neo Scavenger. I never got far in it, but you know, I really enjoyed how gritty it was, how difficult it was. Well, a sequel is coming out. A noir spaceship life simulator, Astronauts. And this is from the same developer of Neo Scavenger and actually set in the same universe and I'm not sure if it's same at the the same time or, you know, where this sets in the timeline. Essentially, um, you know, that Kessler effect that everybody's worried about kind of happened. And everybody that was in space kind of got cut off from Earth. Whoops. Well, everybody basically turned into space pirates and you are trying to essentially just survive and they're might be a bit of a story going on as well on top of uh, a rather detailed life sim. I mean, the demo has you starting up a a reactor for the spaceship that you're liberating. And you can actually see the see that in the screenshot. It is complex. You're actually going down the entire checklist. Uh, yeah, turning on the power bus, uh, purging the core, uh, getting uh, all the capacitors uh, aligned, everything. It is a hard sci-fi with roguelite elements and survival elements where you're having to deal with uh, your star, you know, on top of just starvation, but also uh, accumulating mental wounds or having some sort of quirks that may pop up because of something that happened. It is very interesting to see what they'll do with it. Sounds interesting. Sounds like my type of game. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, the demo ends pretty much at getting to space navigation, which is pretty realistic from the looks of, well, as realistic as you could in the, you know, in a sci-fi game, right? 
Right. But yeah, looking very forward to this one. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so the first demo that I played. Oh, I see the inspiration for this one. <laughs> yeah, it's called Learning Factory. Um, and a better, well, a more on the nose title would be Cat, uh, Cattorio. Um, it's very clearly inspired, or it feels very clearly inspired by Factorio. Um, really? You are, I, I never would have guessed that. I know, right? You are a uh, child who wants to know what his cat is thinking. Uh-oh. And you reach out on the internet trying to find answers to that question about Uh-oh. what your cat is thinking. <laughs> and some scientist man is like, hey, we developed this project to try and learn what cats are thinking. We never got it working, but if you want to try, here you go. And so you go to this place where the, there's like a teleporter that brings in cats and they go into like a store and they want to buy stuff like yarn balls or cat food or catnip. And you have to produce the yarn balls and the cat food and the catnip. And then you that generates receipts and research data that you turn into um, stuff. I, I don't know. That, How weird but fun. Yeah, you, you turn it into some type of information, like a predictive algorithm that's supposed to tell you what your cat wants. Ooh, uh, this is from the same developer as Wild True Learn. That is uh, another cat-based uh, game, only this time it's based off of machine learning instead of just, uh, well, uh, yeah, Factorio. Yeah. I actually did go back and play that. It looks like it finally got a full release. So, but this is, um, I, it's a lot of fun. The demo, at least, is pretty simple. I don't know if there's, like, you know, going to be a lot more afterwards, but there's a few basic things that you get. Like, you get cotton, and then you run that through a machine that makes yarn balls, and you run that to the store, and the cats, like, teleport in and buy the yarn. And then to get, like, cat food, you uh, harvest metal to make, like, tens, and then you get fish, and run it through like um <laughs> what yeah just right yeah but you know and, and that's basically kind of the... victoria beats tom nook meets cats yeah it's very cute and very fun and pretty pretty simple at least the demo was and i enjoyed the heck out of it and i can't wait to, <laughs> to buy this game and see find out if it goes deeper and like even if it doesn't go all that much deeper just like exploring you know sort of the or going down the like the efficiency like how efficient can i make this sort of thing and there's a there are there are a few things that i didn't even use because there are like some splitters and some grabbers and things like that and i didn't need those before sort of the demo ends but you so can I see assume, where it could go you know down the rabbit hole huh yeah yeah exactly so it's it's a lot of fun it's a great theme um it, the art style is very cute and uh, it, it's it's got some nice quality of life stuff like, you know, in Factorio or these other types of games, for the most part, you have to be like right next to the thing you want to interact with. But with this, like you can zoom the camera all the way out and then you can interact with anything like you don't have to be standing right next to it. So that's handy. Um, just a nice little quality of life thing for that. Um, it's all really simple and easy to understand. There's a couple of links that go to outside stuff like to teach you about machine learning and things like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, or predictive algorithms, rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Ball True Learn actually has a lot of documentation about machine learning as well. So 
uh, yeah, th- it's not just yeah a theme of the game. It's also teaches you a bit about it as well. Yeah. So it's it's very it's very cute. I liked it. Two thumbs up. And it was your game. Yeah, right? it's my turn. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to be rude and leave on yours. <laughs> well, I mean, you could. Yeah, but I may have wanted to hear about it. I mean, there is a chance. Fair anyway, play. okay, so my next game is Baza Model Flight Sim. And you may be looking at this and think, wait a minute, that, that looks a little familiar, especially that editor. Well, that's because it's developed by the creator of Kerbal Space Program. And it's basically the flight ver- or the flight portion of Kerbal Space Program with several quality of life mods enabled. So for one, it's a lot easier to actually get off the ground because it's all model airplanes. So you're not having to worry about getting your landing gear just right. You're just picking up and chucking into the air and you're in and boom, you're in the air. And that solves actually a lot of problems with Kerbal Space Program getting a airplane running, huh? Yeah, especially because it had so many issues with actual landing gear and Mm -hmm. uh, glitches and whatnot. Yeah, and the fact that the level one uh, runway was literally the roughest place on the fucking planet. Yeah, it was always better to just go off to the side of it. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So first of all, this is model flight. So you do have the option of either uh, playing as a traditional third-person flight sim, or playing from the operator view on the ground, uh, looking up as you're uh, flying. You have a choice of either. I actually preferred uh, just uh, chase cam. And you are limited in range to about a mile from your operator, give or take. I'm not sure if there will be upgrades later on that extend that or not. But there's a lot of promise here. So for one... Procedural part mod was enabled in this. So all the wings and everything have a lot of options to be uh, tailored to how you want to use them. You can uh, adjust how long the wings are, how thick they are, uh, uh, sweep them without having to deal with odd uh, things with your aircraft uh, looks-wise. There's a bunch of... uh, little quality of life things. Uh, uh, You're able to hide things inside the aircraft bodies uh, without having to try to clip them into it or have to deal with uh, very specific parts. Everything, all the fuselages are naturally hollow. So you can hide all the electronics and everything in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's hints that later on there'll be combat, there'll be... Uh, different uh, types of missions. Uh, the demo just is pretty much a sandbox mode. Uh, build an aircraft, fly it around a bit. That's it. Uh, but there's hints of uh, how many kills. There's a progression system that's uh, hinted at, but not uh, really shown where uh, taking damage uh, requires a certain amount of points to be able to rebuild your aircraft, uh, which may tie into the uh, combat system. There's a lot more parts shown in the screenshots than was available in the uh, actual demo to the point that the demo only had a a handful of parts, uh, including no proper landing gear. There was just, yeah, pick it up and throw. But a lot of people, uh, there's also uh, full-on workshop support, and there was actually a fair number of aircraft that were 
quite impressive even from the get-go with the just a handful of equip of uh, pieces um uh there's passenger seats so there may be some sort of like uh, uh, fairing system uh, fairing uh, or taxi system going on who knows it's really really impressive uh, a, a demo just showing off the capabilities of the uh, editor is really nice and the fact that they also show a lot in a lot more detail your angle of attack and be able to fine tune your aircraft a lot easier than you ever could in Kerbal Space Program without some serious mods. I mean, I think that's the main thing is that uh, they took a look at uh, what mods made Kerbal Space Program a lot easier to play and a lot more fun to play and incorporated them uh, where they made sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, this is. Uh, kind of a niche product. This is uh, going to be, you know, there where, you know, not everybody's going to uh, want to play this, especially since it's a model flight sim. But for those who do, well, there you go, right? Indeed. It looks cool. I like it. Or at least like the look of it. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, there's only one uh, area that you were able to fly around in, but uh, you could see on some of the screenshots, uh, uh, the sort of the cityscape and there's uh yeah places that you could do trip flying uh just in that but i think there's a lot of room for a mission mode uh that they already said that there's going to be a full-on single player mode there's going to be cooperative modes there's going to be uh competitive uh, dog fighting uh, now the problem is are they going to have the player base for this right that, that's always the trouble right yeah but we'll see what felipe uh, has in store for it right yeah, we will indeed. But it looks cool. I'm definitely interested. It's on my radar now. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we saw this in Discovery Q a while back, but it was part of the game festival, and looks like it got a fair amount of positive attention. Or, or uh, Harvester. Sorry, I used his proper first name, but Harvester is the guy behind it. That uh, should uh, ring a lot more bells, huh? Yeah. Um. Okie dokie. Uh, the next one I played was Occupy Mars. Um. I thought you were supposed to occupy Wall Street. Hey, so Occupy Mars is a survival sort of building game that tries to take a little bit more of a realistic look. I mean, there's definitely some tech in here that currently doesn't exist or is in sort of prototyping stages. But okay, uh, um, well, quick question before we get started. Yeah, how many potatoes are involved? <laughs> Actually, a lot. Uh, potatoes are the Knew first it. fruit that you grow. Um, which is a great joke slash reference uh, to The Martian. Yeah, I actually have The Martian inbound, uh, a hard copy of it. So I'm going to um, reread that before too long. Yeah. So it, I, I'm kind of in two minds about this one. The actual gameplay is really good. Um, it takes some really, it, it, it tries to add a, a dash of realism without becoming too bogged down in it. Um, it. It does more than just like, all right, you need food and water and power. Like that, that's there too. But it's like, if you want to collect resources, you've got a rover that's got a little arm on it. They can, uh, well, not a little rover, a big rover that's got a big arm on it with different tools that you can uh, equip and upgrade and use that to manipulate and go break down rocks and collect the ore and put it in a cart and bring it back to your base and like oh that's kind of interesting sorry i'm watching the, one of the trailers and it's showing actual electronic repair as well 
Yeah, and then you can you can dump the ore, or you you dump the ore in like a thing, and it breaks it down. And um, you've got like very large three D printers that it breaks down the raw materials and creates things that you need. Um, you can open up and upgrade electronics systems on your rover or on your base or on some of your equipment, and you can create things like different motherboards and um, mess around with some of that stuff. You also can just kind of leave it and things just seem to work, uh, which is nice. Like you don't necessarily, at least as far as the demo went, you didn't have to get into that. But um, there's some stuff like dust storms that, you know, don't like kill you outright because that's not how dust storms work on Mars. But they do do things like block your solar panels and you have to deal with that and sort of manage your power. But you it doesn't go so... You the antennas. Yes, that's right. But it doesn't go so deep into the realism aspect that it feels like a slog. It at least what was playable in the demo. So I, I liked the balance. Um, but then also this game is jank as hell. Um, and you know it's it's a demo. The game is supposed to release in early access, so I assume this is like an alpha state or maybe an earlier build of the game. All of the animations are really janky looking. Um, you get into some weird situations where the physics as you're walking around aren't quite right and you'll bounce up in the air or objects will fall through one another and then like good luck getting that cabling you were just trying to hook up because it fell into the middle of a platform and you don't oh, basically just... what happened to me with astrodeer yeah um and then it doesn't do a good job explaining a lot of things it took me forever to figure out how to get my my base to producing oxygen again because it gives you, at the beginning, it gives you a limited supply of oxygen tanks and water and food. And you, like, you do some tutorial stuff. It teaches you how to drive the rover and how to load it up and all that jazz. And then you go back to your base. And it's like, all right, fix the base power so that you can have all of your stuff. And then, like, that's it. And it's like, okay, well, how do I fix the base power? Everything looks like it's plugged up to me. And then you got to like manage your power systems a little bit, but it doesn't tell you like, it doesn't say this is the oxygen generator. This is the, the water reclamation system. Like it doesn't say that it's just got pictures of stuff and they roughly match the, like their silhouettes and they roughly match the look of the stuff on the ground. But like a transformer looks a lot like the battery system. So eventually I went over to the 3D printer thing and it was like, oh, okay, so that's what this is and that's what that is. And I got it figured out and I got my base producing water and powered up and oxygen, which is good because about that time a sandstorm or a dust storm rolled in. And so I had to go inside and planted some potatoes. But essentially, like you're you're on Mars and you're at like a small base and they want you, they being like NASA to go and um, <clears throat> start a new research base on a new part of the planet. And so the demo is like, you're getting your stuff ready and loaded up in your rover to go. And when you complete that, then the demo ends. Um, but like you had to grow, you grow potatoes and get like some batteries and power and stuff ready to go. So yep. Potatoes. That's the, the main crop you grow, or at least at the start I had, I think a hundred potatoes at the end of the demo, you only had to get 30, but I got a hundred there. There's a couple other little niggles. Like it could really benefit from some, uh, like 
play optimization. So if you're going to use the 3D printer, for example, um, you tell it that you want to build something and it, it crafts all the parts for you. So let's say you want to build a solar panel. Well, it will automatically craft the the actual panels and the screws and the plates and like everything. And then you just build the solar panel where you want it. You know, you place it, you pull out your blowtorch and that's how you build things with your blowtorch. But, um, but if you want to build, say, cable, like power cabling or, or water um, tubing or something, it just builds it in like foot. I, I assume it's feet. It doesn't really give you an indication, but it seems pretty short for it to be meters. So I'm assuming it's feet. But you can't say, I want to build 100 feet. You have to click 100 times Ugh. to build 100 feet. You can't um, even set like a, you know, uh, some sort of uh, text box. No, you can't click inside the, like, I mean, it is a box. You click plus or minus to add to it, but you can't type in the box. Uh, you can't, there's no like plus or minus by five or 10 shift and control clicking. Don't do anything. Or just click and hold down and it takes up nope. faster and faster. Nope. Can't do that either. So I'm hoping that this is just like a really early build and that they fix some of that stuff. Cause that, that would be a game breaker. You, sp- you need a lot of cabling because you have to, that's like one of the things is like you have to manage the system and make sure everything is plugged in properly and you don't overload stuff and you balance all of it and you've got to run all of your cables. And it's, I mean, that, that part's fine, but you will need probably thousands of feet of cabling by the time that you're done building like a large base. And if you have to click uh, thousands of times, it's, it's just over. I wouldn't want to do that. You would waste so much time. So it wasn't too bad for the demo. I only needed a few hundred feet of cable because I had to connect the rover up to the power system to recharge it and uh, build like a, a battery bank and a couple extra solar panels. And then that was about it. And I was done with it. Um, and it gave me enough like water tubing uh, to start. I didn't need to build any more of that. Um but yeah, it would be game breaking to build hundreds or thousands of feet of that stuff. It would be terrible. So as long as they fix, and honestly, I could deal with the janky animations. That's fine. the The gameplay loop was solid for me. But you until know, you had nice. to build something, yeah, it would be nice, you know, if they fix that. But really, like quality of life, put in some, you know, plus or minus by five or ten or some kind of slider or just let me type in the damn box how many that I want. That would be perfect. So I actually am going to see if there's like, uh, there probably is somewhere like some feedback to leave for the devs. And I'm going to leave that for them. I played this one, the longest one, because it was the longest demo that I had. Um, and it just kind of lets you go until you complete those objectives. So, but it, it was the one that I liked the most out of the three that I played. Well, my favorite's still upcoming, but, now let's talk about the one I like the least. Sure. And the one we had in common because I brought it up to you. Mr. Prepper. This is a base builder uh, where you are building a bunker under your house, uh, but you're trying to keep it secret from the government for whatever reason. It, it just comes off as kind of jank in the story that kind of just put me off from it yeah it's it seems like the story that they introduce you is like it it feels very much like 
what would it be satire around the current world events like there's some kind of plague and something else that happens and the government like goes hardcore like police yeah but the thing is that this has been in development longer than the covid so interesting so it just is a coincidence then uh, either a coincidence or they quickly pivoted yeah, but that that's what it makes it seem like. Like it's some kind of police state, and so you're trying to escape from the state, and you've been caught, and they put some restrictions on you and are like, don't try and escape again. That's bad. <clears throat> and you're like, okay, Mr. Government Man, I won't. And then as soon as the door closes, it's like, all right, now to build my bunker and escape. Or at least I think it's been in development longer. I don't know. There's been a lot of people saying that it's been delayed quite a bit. It's just, I think part of it is that it ran like shit, at least on my system. It was a three gig download. And this is not a game that looks like it needs three gigs total for the full game. It may just be, it's incredibly unoptimized. But it just, there were so many niggles about it. Everything felt too slow. It The theme just felt a little over the top. I just... I took it off my wish list, actually. So the theme was a little, I don't know. Like, I get it. It's It was okay. I didn't really love or hate the theme. The gameplay, I thought was all right. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't super great. Uh, and the demo ended just as I was kind of starting to get a feel for what the game actually wanted me to do. Um, But it is kind of janky in the sense of, like... um. You can either choose to right click and like set up your interaction and then wait for your dude to painfully slowly walk over to it. Yeah, I mean, and- I move faster than this guy. <laughs> or you can double click and he'll run there and then you can set up the interaction. It's it's just weird. Like, I don't know why he can't move faster or why you can't. Like, when he clicks, like, why can't run just be default? And I assume it's because running uses up more energy, like, and makes you tired or faster. Like, I think that's I, what it does. I didn't notice much of a difference, actually. Uh, but um, it does look like a lot of people are complaining about just really, really bad CPU load in this. That's very unoptimized, so. I did not notice the same performance issues that you do. And and we're on, on different teams in that respect. And... <laughs> It could, is it only using like, only hitting like one core really hard or something like that? I think it is actually. So, so that makes sense because Intel typically has better single core performance over AMD, especially for the years from which we're running our CPUs. Cause we've got like, mine's like from 2014, I think. Yeah, mine's, sure. uh, mine's quite a bit older. I'd have to actually go back and double check. Okay. So, yeah, it, you know, that could be it because I didn't notice any major performance issues. Um, but I mean, you know, you're in, in your house and the government man comes to check on your house every day and look for suspicious things. So you have to hide your progress. Like you've got like a board on your room that you have to flip over and hide and you have to hide like the stairs or the, the, the ladder rather to your bunker. And apparently like on the checklist, it's like he checks to see if you have all the stuff you're supposed to have. So I assume if you recycle your entire kitchen, for example, like all your plates and everything, he's going to be like, hmm, that's suspicious. Why don't you have any cups or plates? Because you you have to have resources to craft the things that you need. And you can recycle just about everything to get resources from it. So, you know, plates will give you like glass or ceramic or metal, depending on what type of plate they are. 
the cups do the same thing and your trash you can recycle and etc cetera, etc cetera. um you got like prepper friends that you can trade with to get materials that you don't need or i mean that you do need and there's a few other areas you can apparently go to like you can go to the woods and you can yeah use- which uh, is just like one little path at least in the demo yeah, there's like a thing that it, apparently you can build that lets you go to other places or repair. I, that didn't really make sense to me, but whatever. Um, you know, the demo ended after yeah, like and you, 20 minutes. Yeah, and you also uh, use your mail to be able to trade with other preppers or other guys. And as you do trade with them, you build trust and you open up more stuff. But there's a very limited stock of what they offer, and it seems to rotate daily. And Yeah, and, the room... And, and honestly, that kind of breaks the theme, doesn't it? Because if you're not trusting the government, why the fuck are you using the mail? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, you know, if there were like other pre- like other houses or locations you could go to to do the trading, that would make more sense. I mean, for to a certain extent, you have to like give it some leeway, like for gameplay purposes. But on theme, like, yeah, it makes more sense to go to like, the i don't know the convention or whatever rather than ordering you know mail order your prepper stuff uh, to be fair you are buying stuff instead of uh, direct resources you're buying like uh, containers to disassemble that sort of thing yeah that's true but uh, it's just but, but when it, uh you know tip uh get it some sort of suspension whenever um boy this guy's buying a lot of little metal boxes yeah right yeah the the construction like building the rooms is weird as well it's not super intuitive and it's really easy to fuck up and then you have to be like okay okay do i just sort of deal with a messed up room that i just made or do i eat the resources in terms of time to actually rebuild this room because it it runs on in you know on a clock you have to eat and sleep yeah, and also uh, as uh, uh, you only have so much time in, in the day as well. Yeah, so it tells the you government you have to, up. Yeah, it tells you you're fine until three a.m. But then, like after midnight, he's like, "Oh, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to Why? sleep." And it's like you told me that, that that I should that I would be fine until three a.m. as long as I wasn't exhausted. But you're telling me I have to go to sleep now. It's after midnight. That wasn't explained very well. If there's a gameplay reason that I missed fine but it felt like it was like here's the rule and then immediately it breaks the rule so if you get too tired then like you just pass out wherever you are and like government man could barge into your house and find your whole prepper den like i kind of like the idea of it like the basic gameplay because it looks like from at least the trailer and the screenshots like eventually you build like i guess a rocket i don't know if that's to like go to space or what or if that's like your escape plan use a rocket to go somewhere else but outside of Americaville, and yes, that is the actually the name of the that's town. That's the name of the town is America, or isn't not Americaville, Ma- but Americaville. Yeah, Americaville. It just, ugh. Very, maybe yeah. that maybe that's why it left a bad taste in my mouth. It felt a little too much on the nose for my Facebook feed. Yeah, but I mean, I feel I I kind of like the idea of the game, but if it control like if they don't fix the control, which I don't think that they're going to, like this feels like it's a completed game that's just waiting for its release date. I could be wrong, but you know, it needs to fix that stuff. Otherwise it's pretty close to unplayable unless it's like super cheap because it's just too finicky to really be 
really be all that great. I mean, maybe they'll eventually fix it, but oh, I, I, I actually just took it off my wish list because I had five games that I played or five demos. This was my least favorite by far. And I think at least two, I could have fit two or three of the other demos in the size requirements that this one took, which tells me a lot of just how much optimization they're going to have. Yeah. It was, it, it, I, I mean, I only did three demos. It was my least favorite as well, but I liked it more than you did. So, you know, that's. Well, I also had some really good demos, but that well, would be also, a good segue. Or, or do you want me to go on my next one? Since uh, we shared this one. You can go ahead on to your next one. Okay. So I had my next one is Radical Relocation. This is a moving game where you're piling everything onto your car, literally, and driving from your old house to your new house and trying not to lose stuff along the way. It's essentially a physics puzzle game mixed with a driving game. And things get a little crazy if the trailer is anything to go by, where there's loop-to-loops that you have to navigate and things get a little bit more hectic on the map. Uh, the demo is just the first three uh, uh, levels, the tutorial, then it jumps to like, I think it's the eighth or ninth level where things are a lot more complex. And it's a pretty simple concept, but it was fun. And I think that's, you know, things don't have to be overly complex. They don't have to be overly deep. Sometimes you just need them to be fun. And that's what this was. Uh, I do have a couple little quibbles that, you know, this was a, demo and it's still going to come out later this year uh you're kind of limited on just how much of the uh how uh much you could uh rotate things so you could rotate things on along one axis and then you could lay it down flat or uh, uh have it in its normal rot- uh, orientation you can't continue to tumble it on the other axis and that may be just a, a decision for difficulty but it could, uh, yeah, it feels a little odd that, okay, I could uh, put a table uh, legs down or I could lay it flat on or on its side, but I can't set it so its legs are facing up. That feels like a very odd limitation, you know? But yeah. everything is all physics-based, so all the individual objects uh, have uh, yeah, their uh, own collision boxes and... You have to deal with, uh, yeah, like uh, the uh, later level that they include. Actually, I think that, no, that's not it in the demo. But you can see like a basketball that you have to figure out how to uh, transport. There's a, there was a couple of phases. There was a bonsai tree, and it's all trying to stack it all up and then slowly drop. And I had fun with it. And things get a little bit more complex. Like one of the uh, level eighteen, they show on the screenshot. Uh, you have to get two dumbbells, two soccer goals. A couch, a desk, a small couch, a refrigerator, a drink bottle, a dog kennel, a surfboard, a mug, a grand piano, a potted plant, and a kitchen sink. Because, of course, they throw the kitchen sink. Yeah, I gotta have that. And there's also some sort of upgrade uh, system. I'm not sure if it's... Uh, they didn't really cover it in the demo. They just showed that there's a garage and you could get parts eventually. I'm not sure if they're hidden on the levels or... If uh, it's just as you complete levels, you get uh, different parts to be able to build up other cars. But uh, you start off with just a little dinky car, then you can build an SUV or a giant truck or uh, 
uh, or you could have forklift, that sort of thing. And they get rather wacky, and it's just that's what they showed. I imagine that there's probably a lot more upcoming. But yeah, uh, quite a bit of fun if you're into you know physics puzzlers, right? Yeah, not uh, not. I I would play it. I bet I would enjoy it, but not typically a thing that I would be like. Yeah, yeah. This is one I would. Yeah, this is one uh, that I wouldn't buy on release most likely, unless it's very cheap. But this is definitely a pick up on a sale. And it doesn't feel overly, you know, like, ah, ha, ha, this is so random. Uh, this doesn't feel like a Twitch game, you know? Right. Uh, this is actually from the same company that did, 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 did actually uh, a railroad uh, corporate, railroad corporation, sorry, uh, that is on your wish list. You know, uh, so they have a, a fairly decent pedigree of uh, uh, more serious games. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm looking at uh, their other the games right now. Ooh, Railroad Corporation is on sale, 40% off. Uh-oh, that just cost you some money. Tempting. Well, I just spent a bunch of money on games for Switch, so I'll hold off. Ooh, they have... Uh, that is an interesting-looking game. Um, uh, it's uh, still there. Every day is the same on the faraway uh, uh, Space Lighthouse until a mysterious radio message breaks through. These are the same guys that made Starship Corporation. That's a good mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Final game on my list is not a demo. It's an older game that was on sale, super cheap. Uh, that I thought, you know what? Sure, why not? I'll buy it. I got the gold pack or the game of the year or whatever, and it was on it was on sale for like six bucks, six or seven bucks for the the gold pack, which was the game and its two DLCs. Uh, it's called Gas Guzzlers Extreme. It is a car battle game. Um, but not like Twisted Metal, although there are some parts that are more like that, where it's just like a map and you drive around and try and blow everybody up on. But it is like a, a car combat racing game. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting like crazy, amazing, like in-depth story or anything like that. I just wanted a fun kind of silly or maybe silly, you know, but it definitely. Yeah, like and a you're fun- still looking. Yeah, a fun kind of jump in, jump out of um, car combat game. And you're right, I'm still looking. Uh, it commits the sin of being boring, which you you asked this question and you might be thinking to yourself, dear listener, like, how can a car combat game be boring? Well, let me tell you, uh, it starts off well enough. Like it, you know, gives you just like a teeny bit of a story that's like, hey, there's this car combat thing that goes on in the world where we dump prisoners into. You're a prisoner, but you were like a really good getaway driver. So we'll see how you do. And if you do well, then, you know, you you can keep racing instead of going to prison. And so it gives you like uh, the, the equivalent of a Ford Mustang. I mean, you know, obviously there's no it's brands. A Ford, it's a Ford pony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. something like that um but you know the equivalent of a ford mustang and it's got rockets and it's really fast and all this other stuff and uh you know you you do a race and it's like an actual like race thing instead of just like a car battle and you do that and you know it's it's fine um some of the, the immediate problems with the game they'll pop up even here uh first of all for a car combat game, two things. One, why can't I just have my guns all the time? Because you can't. 
And two, why would you even consider having races that don't involve the guns? Which there are. Uh, for the the only part about your guns is like you have to go like the first half a lap, and then it's like, all right, weapons free. And like I get that, that's fine. But then it's not because you have ammo and you have to run over power ups to give yourself ammo. And if you ever run out of ammo, you lose any bonuses that you had for your weapon. Um, there's no secondary weapons like you can pick up like bombs and mines and stuff, but it's not very clear about how they actually work. And even then, most of the weapons are really lame. Um, the rockets are OK. Uh, they do explosive damage, obviously, and they knock cars around. So you, if you hit um, you know, someone in front of you with a rocket, you can blow them off the road and then you can win even if it doesn't kill them. But once you get past that and you actually get into the first card that you like have to buy and upgrade and maintain and everything, uh, which we'll get to that as well. That's another reason why it's fucking boring. I want to I don't want to do car maintenance in my combat game. But anyways, when you get to the other weapons, they just suck They because they don't. It, it's like machine guns and shotguns that don't really do anything. Um, and so that's very boring. The The cars handle like they're on ice all the time. Um, and I think that's supposed to encourage you to do like lots of power sliding and drifting because you build up like a, a turbo meter by doing that. And then you can use your turbo to go fast, which is cool, I guess. But the cars handle like garbage. So you're you want to drive a little bit more carefully. So you're just not all over the place. Trying to power slide usually winds up with you crashing. The AI is bad. And the way that they fix it is, of course, with rubber banding. So the difficulty really only increases the amount, increases or decreases the amount of rubber banding that the AI has. Um, but they're not good. They're bad shots. They uh, don't really know how to race. And you can wind up way out in front for a long time. And then suddenly, here they all come, catching up. And it's like, well, shit, there's the rubber oh, banding. I, yeah, I hate rubber banding in racing games. Um, um okay i understand why it's there is to keep it interesting but to such a degree let's put it this way some of the most extreme adversions i've literally seen the ai stop completely on a racetrack and some are very bad games because of rubber banding mm-hmm. yeah i don't um I don't know what happens when you're behind because I'm I've not really ever been behind. I didn't win a single race because the rubber banding was so bad. You know, I would lead or be in the top two or three for the whole race. Um, and then like at the last second, like coming around the last corner, suddenly someone is like, woohoo, fuck you. And just like flies past me and wins. And it's like, well, damn it. So, yeah, the weapons are boring. They don't really do much of anything. There's not a huge variety in the weapons. The secondary weapons and equipment that you find are boring. You don't get to use your guns the entire time because you have to pick up ammo. If you run out of ammo, you lose any power-ups that you had picked up. And and when you find new ammo, it's not like you get them back. You have to start over because you can get damaged power-ups and things that give your weapons like fire effects or whatever. And those those are not persistent. Um. And then you have to do car maintenance in between races. Damage What's the car you, maintenance, actually? Is it just you hit a repair? or Damage that you take has to be repaired, and you have to manually repair each piece on your car. Uh. So it's like you've got 
your engine, your brakes, your wheels, your armor plating, the body of the car, etc. And if you pick up the repair packs in the race and you finish with, you know, 100% health by picking up a repair pack, you don't have to deal with it. But if you finish the race and you haven't picked up the repair packs, or God forbid, if you get blown up, then you have to go to every single piece on your car and repair it. And if you don't have enough money to repair your car all the way, it like fixes you up just enough so that you can race, but then you start the race with a damaged car. So you're more likely to get blown up. Um, uh, I do remember some of the dirt games. Uh, they have it where <laughs> it's a time management thing, but that's more strategic than anything else. And this just sounds like it's a money sink. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's really easy to earn money. There's not enough to spend it on. There's this whole like custom cosmetic system um, with like decals and paints and like sponsor stuff that they show off like hardcore and all the screenshots. I don't know how you unlock any of it because I went through and did a bunch of races. Um, I said I didn't win any races. That's not true. I won a couple, but um, you know, by and large, I didn't win. But I would get like a podium finish. And it's got like the special objectives and like do a thing, get some bonus money. So it's it's pretty easy to really quickly max out the two starting cars that you can get access to. Um, and then just be sitting there with like all this money and just sort of wasting your time and money. Anytime you finish a race with damage, you have to go in and repair the car piece by piece. Uh, thankfully, you don't have to restock ammo. That would suck even worse. No, no, it, it, you have to load. One bullet at a time. <laughs> Reload each of your magazines one bullet at a time. So there, there's different race modes. There's a, just a standard race, which is, I guess, kind of like Mario Kart? Like really shitty, violent Mario Kart? I don't know. You don't get access to your weapons, and none of the secondary weapons, like power pickups, are there. But you can still like crash people and run them off the road or whatever. But... Again, that just highlights how bad the driving mechanics are in the game. There's sort of a standard battle race where that like I said after, you know, that you complete a half a lap, everyone's weapons, you know, the safeties come off and then you can just do the race normally that way and pick up power ups for your guns and stuff. There's um like an elimination type race where that in most games it's like whoever's in last place after you finish a lap, you know, is eliminated, but in this one it's you have to kill all of the competition or yourself be killed. And honestly, that's probably the most fun because there's still the actual racetrack element involved and you're trying to blow up all of your comp- uh, competition. And then there's a uh, uh, like destruction derby, which is more like a twisted metal or you know the, the good car combat games of old where that there's a map that you play on and your weapons are you know weapons free the whole time and you pick up um ammo and some upgrades and things like that and the goal is to be the last person standing in in sort of the demolition derby arena um there's like 20 something total cars i didn't unlock too many of them because i was bored and so i quit playing and refunded my money there's like the dlc has got like a zombie mode in it which i did not unlock and i don't know how you unlock that and then there was another thing that i don't even remember what it was uh what is it? Full Metal Frenzy? What is what is this? Oh, okay. Cool. So that's part of the DLC. So the Full Metal Frenzy is like the Destruction Derby mode. So the original game doesn't even have that. So that sucks. 
So, I mean, it's it's not good. I mean, I paid like six, like I said, it was like six or seven dollars for the base game and both DLCs. And like, if the game was fine, that would be a great deal. But it wasn't. It was just boring. And I, I could handle some of it. Like, if there was only one or two of those problems that I mentioned, I think it would be all right. You know, it's like, well, you know, I paid six bucks for it or whatever. It's fine. You know, it's like seven or eight years old. You know, I'm not expecting a masterpiece. But it's just all of it together is not great. So, hard pass. Refunded it. I just bought, uh, with my refunded money, I just bought two of the Sword Art Online games. <laughs> I wanted to play those for forever. A couple of them were on sale for like five bucks a piece, so I bought those. Okay, so I guess we'll hear about Sword Art Online next time around. But for me, I have my final demo from the Steam Game Festival. Fights in tight spaces. So this is a turn-based, roguelite, deck-building fighting game. Interesting. And it is a fucking blast to play. So this is sort of super hot meets uh, Slay the Spire. If you want to just throw two you know, somewhat popular games together and call it a day. It has sort of the very minimalistic feel of Superhot, where you're looking at an isometric view of this very small fighting arena with a bunch of guys uh, uh, trying to beat the ever-living shit out of you. But instead of you know, a traditional fighting game, it's turn-based, and you're running through a deck of cards. So there may be a card where you'll slip past an opponent and get or an enemy and get behind them. And then you could just jab them in the back or uh, punch them or uh, push them into the way of an enemy about to take a punch at you. So it's all works on essentially you move and they move, but you could also see what their move is going to be. So it's sort of a preemptive, like I said, super hot esque feel to it where you see, okay, the guy with the gun's going to shoot in along this lane of tiles. I could slip past this one guy, shove him from behind into the way of the bullet. He, he will shoot uh, the guy I just pushed to kill him. Then I could uh, sidestep uh, and do a finisher on this one guy to kick him off a railing uh, to kill him. And all the different levels have different objectives. So for some, it's just to survive a certain amount of rounds. And as with all deck building games, you're just going through the deck. And once you get to the end of the deck, you uh, shuffle all the cards and re uh, out your hand of five. Every time uh, you uh, you discard your hand into the discard pile and you draw a new set of five. And there's also momentum points where each card requires a certain amount of momentum. And some of them actually add momentum. For example, the jab I talked about, uh, it actually adds to your momentum, which is essentially your mana. where uh, typically, the stronger an attack, it uh, requires more momentum, but it may do other things. Like one of the screenshots shows a headbutt. It deals 16 damage, but also stuns an enemy. Uh, there's jump kicks where you move two tiles and kick an enemy, and it knocks them back, and there's a possibility of knocking them uh, down. There's uh, blocks, which is essentially armor from Slay the Spire. And it is a blast once you get into it. It's a little 
tough to get into the demo just because they don't really explain anything. So you have to just sit there and piece out how things work. But once I did, I had, a, you know, like I said, a lot of fun with it. I was not expecting to enjoy this nearly as much as I did. Nice. It's it's an interesting string of yeah. words to put together for what yeah. this game is. But yeah, it, it's, 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 I mean, that's the best way I could describe it is, well, they describe it, a stylish blend of, ter- of deck building, turn-based tactics, and thrilling an- uh, animated fight sequences and classic a- action movie settings. So, uh, there, uh, you go through. Oh, also, it has a branching map of uh, locations, which is where I tie the roguelite element into it. I'm not sure if it's actually going to be uh, procedural or you know it has a, you know a set number of tiles that it could uh, throw in, uh, but you could uh, go out of your way to hit the uh, hit a uh, medic to re uh, uh, re up your health. Uh, there's cards that you could discard some of your momentum to be able to uh, heal, which actually uh, only gets removed for that particular area, which is actually really nice. You could increase the uh, uh, amount of... uh, uh, You could increase... uh, or uh, Sorry, you could improve your uh, cards as well in a different area, but there's a a strategy about it as well. What maps do I want to take? Do I want to risk this very tight uh, alleyway to be able to go to the gym to be able to improve my cards, or do I want to, you know, fight what looks to be a lot more guys to go to a medic later on? And also, there's other objectives that show up. There's uh, sometimes you have to protect an ambassador, so you can uh, you also have to prevent them from dying. But thankfully, all your attacks do not do damage to them, so you can also use some of the moves that would push an enemy back to shove them out of the way of attacks. Uh, you, uh, there's another one that I was in a prison brawl, but I had to keep the informant alive. So I had to dodge my way around this one uh, enemy while taking all the other ones out. Uh, the boss encounters, uh, one uh, was just a multi-attack, so it was fairly easy to deal with just because I was able to... I had a lot of manipulation in my deck, so... I was able to push people around and shove them. Uh, and it's uh, there's different shoves, I should say, as well. There's a push that knocks the enemy back away from you, but there's also shove, which moves the enemy side to side. But also all your movement is also tied to your deck, so you have to be very careful about how much uh, attack you're, move, or you're putting in because then you may end up where you're stuck in a location and you're having the entire group pound on you, which... If your name isn't Jared, that's a bad thing. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, a very interesting little game. That I I hope that they develop it quite a bit more. It has a very promising start. Sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna. It looks like the demo's still up for this, so I might uh, download it and check it out. Yeah, yeah. If you like deck builders, this is one to try out. It's. Technically a fighting game, but not quite. They say endless threats uh, with a new mission each time you play evolve t- your tactics, unlock new possibilities, and perfect your strategy. So it does look like the world map changes every time around uh, with daily challenges. Uh, yeah. And also, you could, uh, there are some areas where you could uh, 
or instant death. So you could use that to uh, push an enemy like off a hand, off a guardrail or uh, off a platform or just out of the area. But yeah, it's it was quite the surprise. I, I was expecting to have like a some sort of weird little fighting game because I didn't read the, all the tags on it. And then it's like, oh, turn-based deck building? Ooh. So quite the surprise. A lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing more of these deck builders, actually. More and more of them with the uh, sur- with the success of, I think, Slate Aspire is the one that is really driving a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's a mechanic that can be used in a bunch of different ways. And it's nice yeah. to see developers actually sort of expanding the horizons of the mechanics. So, yeah, I mean, a full-on fighting game, and uh, if you build your deck, you could do some really crazy things. I mean, uh, John Wick esque uh, fights, you know? Yeah, like there was one card I got that was a rare. That while it was in my hand, all my other cards cost one less momentum. Then I had another card that allowed me to draw, and it was only like one momentum for that. So be able to just continuously draw cards and uh, either very cheap or free, and then use my momentum to heal up. Uh, but there's also very situational cards, like you know, cards that could only be done from the back of an enemy. Uh, cards that need to be at least one uh, a tile away, or ones that only attack two tiles away. So it's more, yeah every time you complete an area, you have a choice of three cards to choose or to uh, to pull from. So it's not like you're stuck with, okay, I've got this one card that's just dead in my hand because you could pick others. And I think you could actually just skip the pick as well if you really wanted to, but there, I got some really nice stuff. And it's pretty minimalistic as well if you like that sort of uh, uh, look. So there you go. Fights in tight places. or uh, Fights in tight spaces. Very worth checking out. Sounds cool. All right. Let us move on then from all the stuff we checked out and played this week to our first news topic, which is Microsoft to shut down Mixer on July 22nd. Yeah, this was actually, well, I saw this poking, uh, popping up online, but also his cubeness himself uh, posted on Discord. So, you know, what the hell, right? So, Mixer, um, bye-bye. Yeah, I mean they've it, they've been on the the way out for a while. It it seemed it's, I mean Twitch is a monolith, mm-hmm. and it's hard to take on Twitch. And if if Microsoft, Microsoft and Google are usually the two companies that I'm like, if anybody can take on someone in the industry, it's going to be them. And for Microsoft to back down, um, I mean they're they're partnering. I believe it's with Amazon, uh, Facebook. Oh, Facebook, Facebook. Um, yeah, they're partnering. Uh, Amazon owns Twitch. Why would they partner with them? Right, you're right. Nope, you're right. Um, but they're partnering partnering with Facebook. But yeah, with, just kind of said, yeah, which uh, Facebook? That's who I think of whenever I think of uh, you know game streaming, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, only time I go to Facebook is uh, whenever I want to see what uh, my idiot neighbors are, uh, uh, what conspiracy theories they're talking about now. Uh, yeah, just uh, who uh, is going to get Bill, uh, uh, the Bill Gates microchip? And meanwhile, all these idiots are carrying cell phones, which already tracks all their stuff. And they're doing it on Facebook. Facebook gaming is huge, but it's mostly for the specific type of Facebook game 
you know, your Farmvilles and your whatnot that fall into that category. Oh, so well, this, they're talking about the streaming, which actually is a thing on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's, it's not, yeah. It, it's hidden away on like two or three layers of uh, bullshittery. Yeah. I mean, if it becomes a thing for them, um, you know, a successful partnership or a successful expansion, I mean, I guess good for them. I liked Mixer better than Twitch. I don't watch a lot of, of streaming. Um, and I never stream anymore. Like, I, you know, I know we we tried that for a while. Um, but it just, it, you know, it never worked out. And I don't, I would prefer to play games rather than watch them. I totally understand, you know, people oh, like there's... to interact yeah, there's some games I don't mind watching. Uh, I got a couple streamers I still watch, but honestly, a lot of the ones I really enjoyed either quit or uh, just moved on to other things. Uh, but I, I do think streaming does have its place still, Yeah, especially when you check out a game that I'm interested in. It's going to be a bigger investment than, ah, here's 10 bucks, right? Right. But um, honestly, I'd much rather check out YouTube for that. Uh, for the most part, unless I have a very specific question and I could uh, poke someone for a, 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 that has more experience with the game on Twitch. But honestly, tw- once you get past a certain threshold, it's not so much interacting with a, a streamer as it is, you know, you're part of a mob and, and they occasionally acknowledge, acknowledge it. I'd much rather uh, enjoy you know, a small streamer, you know, 10 maybe... Uh, up to I would say fifty people in the chat before it starts to get a little too crazy. Yeah, the only time that I have really enjoyed streaming is when it's like back in the uh, Kerbalcast days of like someone was streaming and there would be you know ten, like you said, ten, twelve people in chat, and then you can have like little interactions. Um, but less than that, and it's boring more than that and like you said it's a mob so yeah and, and I, i'm maybe it's just me but it does feel like microsoft kind of cut their losses pretty quickly because there at least was mixer integration into the pc game pass yeah quite a few games had uh like built-in stuff like forza comes to mind but there were other games and then on the Game Pass, like for games, whenever on like their store pages, you could see the mixer stuff, which that's yeah. also integrated in the Xbox ecosystem. Um, yeah, it just feels a, a little bit like they're cutting their losses. I mean, to the point where uh, they're uh, the Xbox Gaming and Disability Community lead uh, tweeted out that she found out. Uh, oh, and of course, that uh, link is not working. I'm gonna have to go hunt that down. Uh, the employees over at Mixer found out when the public found out. I mean, that's incredibly shitty. Yeah. I mean, but, it uh, is... There, there's, uh, you know, game, uh, you know, the games industry for you. Oh, hey, I'm on Reddit right now, and this published six hours ago. Confirmed, Major Nelson says Facebook gaming will not be integrated into uh, Xbox like Mixer currently is. Oh, see, I didn't see that. Oh, I'm just like, yeah, I've got a tab open for Reddit, and it was there. Because I'm on the Xbox... Uh, or I'm subscribed to the Xbox subreddit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I do. I do agree that they they seem like they're throwing in the towel. But I mean, who knows how much money they are potentially losing with Mixer? Well, well here's um, the thing. With that, the- well, well, they were throwing so much money at 
big Twitch streamers to get them to go to Mixer instead of trying to build their own community as well. I mean, look at Ninja. He made out like a bandit on this. He took a, what, a, just under a year vacation and got 20 million or some dollars. Yeah, it was a lot of money. But I, I, I know, mean, I know to Microsoft, $20 million, that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, like a quarter of what's in Bill Gates' couch. But right. st- still, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible, you know, 2020 being the year that it is, maybe they've lost a lot of money in other ways and they can't afford to bleed revenue like that. The new console releases, you know, later this year, you know, possibly there's some issue there and they're they're having to pull funds in Mixer, you know, being sort of the low thing on the totem pole, you know, is last one in, first one out kind of thing. Okay, you know, I'll put the, uh, the tweet. Let's see if that actually works this time. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't, we probably won't ever know, like, the real story behind it. Yeah, and according to this, not all the Mixer employees are getting relocated to other jobs, and uh, we uh, we have confirmed that all the Mixer employees will be really relocated to other jobs. Uh, she doesn't even know exactly what she's being transitioned into. I mean, it's just, it sounds like a clusterfuck. Yeah. So, and, and uh, I'm not trying to defend them. This isn't me defending them. This is just me being like, well, well, this hit, well, this hit, well, this hit the company. Well, remember, this is under Microsoft. This hit the company pretty blindside, or at least according to this uh, one manager. Just, uh, here's another tweet from her. Just to let you know how much we didn't know this was coming. Last week, they asked me to send my picture for our town hall to celebrate my three-year Mixer anniversary. That sounds like it, this was done pretty damn quickly, right? Yeah, that does sound like it It was done quickly. Like there was some sort of cost-benefit analysis, and it's like, okay, well, we're not making any headway against Twitch. But at the same time, Twitch... Well, for one, you're dealing with Amazon, and people that have Amazon Prime have this built-in loyalty to Twitch just because of Twitch Prime is thrown in. So that's an ingrained user base to begin with, on top of the the free and sarcasm quote games you get from it because of Twitch Prime. Uh, you could choose your one subscriber that you could just hold on to and uh, be able to uh, yeah use that to be able to get rid of all the annoying ads. So yeah, I mean, Microsoft did have an uphill battle, but uh, there has to be some sort of cost benefit analysis that they did and just they decided to pull the plug qu- quickly. This just feels weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why what they're doing this because I would think uh streaming uh or people watching streams would be way up. I mean, Twitch has reported a lot of uh, new milestones uh, in the last you know, couple months because, you know, shit's going crazy. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's hard to say for sure because if they just decided to pull the plug, um, not for no reason, but for, you know, something that's like, oh, we're losing money. Like, we'll never we'll never hear about that because they don't want to look bad. Um, if there's some other reason, you know, I suppose there's a possibility we'll find out, but I honestly don't really expect to. So, I mean, it really sucks for the employees that they didn't know ahead of time. Like, if they knew and had some time, like, okay, fair enough. Like, you know, you wait till the last possible minute to tell individuals, but the employees not knowing, 
I wonder if if the streamers knew. No, if, if the, the employees did, if the employees didn't know, the streamers didn't know. Well, you say that, but I mean, who knows? There's a possibility that they. Okay, let's have. let's let's go ring up Ninja see if he knew. <laughs> yeah, let's just call Ninja straight up. Actually, I wonder if he posted about it on Twitter. That would be interesting. Probably Ninja. the one time. Yeah, probably the one time in my life I go look at Ninja's Twitter, right? Yeah. Oh, this is a complete clusterfuck of reposts, huh? Um, when was the announcement for about Mixer? Uh, he's talking about uh, I'll be streaming again very soon. I've been taking a couple of days off, so it sounds like he even he didn't know. Well, I mean, I guess he's going back to to Twitch. Yeah, with a lot more money, huh? Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. Okay, so this other tweet was the twenty second. Uh I feel old looking at his Twitter. It's like, damn, right? Yeah. I want to yell at him to get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I don't understand the things. <laughs> oh, that's snarky. One of his tweets, it, someone like did a thing. It's like translated from Ninja by Google, and it replaces like community with the word money. So it's like, I love my community, and it's like, I love my money. But yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on he it. He actually has a phone number on here. <laughs> Right, Ninja. Yeah, that's probably for like a business thing. Yeah, although it'd be hilarious, right? Call him up in the middle of the night. Yeah. All right. Um. So, so yeah. So if you, uh, that wasn't enough, surly old man, for you, I guess on to our new another topic because indeed, yeah, by, by Mixer, right? Yeah. Which I preferred Mixer to Twitch, but like I said, I almost never watch streams, so. So, in the in the what the ever living fuck, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater remake gets a demo on August fourteenth, but only if you pre-order the game. What the fuck, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, not really a demo at that point. That's a preview. That that that's beta access and sarcasm quotes. What the hell? Yeah, I, I mean, I realize. Yeah, this is going to be on the Epic Game Store, so I wasn't going to buy this uh, thing anyway. But why? Why are you doing this? I mean, I know why. It's because to get, they can money. Because money. But that this doesn't bode well, does it? Uh, for the future of gaming, when we're looking at demos as a pre-order bonus for uh, what do you call Tony Hawk? Triple uh, A or Double A? Mm. I guess Double A these days. I think Double A. At a certain point, I think Tony Hawk would qualify. Like there's certain games that I think fall more into the AAA space, but this or, or is... I should say uh, certain time frames. Back in the day, it was a AAA game. Nowadays, it's especially with a remake. Yeah, Double yeah, A is probably uh, pretty solid, but th- this is just fucking greedy. But then again, that's Activision for you, right? I mean, this feels like capitalizing on nostalgia because the the thing it is that you get quote demo access to end quote is the uh, like that warehouse. Map mm-hmm. like the like whenever I think of Tony Hawk, it's the map that I think of. Yeah, I think that's actually the first one you play, right? Yeah, yeah, the one that if you weren't very good at the game, that was the game, right? Yeah, because if you could never get past it, then you didn't get the other maps. And then later, as the games evolved, you know, there I, there was the Tony Hawk game where you like made a skater and like there was like a city yeah. you could skate around. Like that's the one that I'm thinking of as like trip you know air quotes triple a but I, I think you're right like for the era it was a triple a game 
I mean, remember back in the day, Tony Hawk was a, you know, a bigger celebrity than he is these days. He's kind of faded just because, you know, skateboarding isn't as hip anymore. Now, now if he was, uh, you know, rocking the fidget spinners, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just, this is more just what the hell. Yeah. Of all the pre-order bonuses, this is just, this makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I was already going to wait and see. So, but the fact that they're paywalling demos now, right? Yeah. Is it an epic timed I, exclusive I, or like a I, I don't know. forever exclusive? I mean, it'll be on Xbox Game Pass like in a couple of months anyways. Like that's yeah, most likely. how these epic exclusives seems to work. Because I, I love that loophole that, that Microsoft has been using. Yeah, pretty much epic exclusive means never ever on Steam. Well, at least in this time frame. Yeah, not on Steam for a year. We'll show up on Game Pass in a few yeah. months. Yeah, we'll uh, fix all the issues in the year. So when the Steam release comes around, it's actually a playable game, right? Maybe. Possibly. We'll see. Yeah, for some reason. Oh, well, let's just put it this way. I think I found a new subreddit I like. Uh, it's a subreddit called Fuck Epic. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I can imagine what's on that subreddit. I mean, damn. Yeah. I mean, I'll just wait it out. I don't care enough to even pirate it. I have other things to play. I mean, they're actually yeah, risking being banned because they're just saying, I'll just pirate it. I mean, uh, Reddit's been coming down hard on piracy these days. So. It doesn't... Uh, they don't mention if it's a timed exclusive or not. I mean, they're not going to say it's timed exclusive, so unless they absolutely have to, but whew. Yep. All right. It's more just, you know, what the hell. Fuck right? these devs. Or whoever. Our publisher. Or publisher, yeah. Maybe not I the mean, devs. let's be honest. It's, it's most likely the publisher. Usually the devs have little to do with it, and it's more... Uh, the publisher shenanigans. Uh, what one was it that didn't even realize they were going to be uh, Epic exclusive for a year and were talking about their Steam release up until it was announced? Oh, oh I don't know. I don't I don't remember that. I'm blanking on it now. Damn it. I can't think of it right now. It, there was one of these uh, Epic exclusives that was... They were talking about their Steam release up until... The store page was pulled, and their site was purged of all mention of Steam, and and it was announced Epic exclusive and blindsided the devs. I mean, I I would feel bad trying to work in the games industry these days, just with everything going on. I mean, between Mixer having the rug pulled out from money on this, it's been kind of a rough day, huh? Uh, news wise, so. Uh, Let's talk about, oh, how about more bad news? <laughs> okay, let's go for it. Um, well, I don't know if this is bad news or not. Nintendo is reportedly cooling its commitment to mobile games. Well, it is if you're one of the developers that Nintendo's been uh, giving their shovelware, not licenses to. Right. So I think it's fair to say we've had a pretty lukewarm to negative reaction to uh, Nintendo mobile games that we played. Yeah, I mean Mario Kart was was bad. Uh what was it called? Was it just Mario Run or Super Mario Run? Uh Super Mario Run. Uh, I'm looking at the 
I have the chart on here. There's five list, or sorry, six listed. Doctor Mario World that ha, that's their worst performing. I'm not sure if it's just released or not, but has four point eight million global spending. Uh, Super Mario Run, which was their paid game, that was it was what ten bucks or something. It was ludicrously expensive for a mobile game. Yeah, it was ten bucks, and then if you could like play it, quote like for free but only a certain amount of it and then it you couldn't play anymore unless you bought it at least well, that was they, a release i don't know if it's changed since then but uh 76 million there mario kart tour which was abysmal and kind of lied to you about playing other players for quite a while i think they eventually put in a proper multiplayer mode but let's see Dagorilla lost which i actually didn't know about yeah, I didn't uh, either. One, I never heard of that until just now. 123 million. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, 131 million. And then Fire Emblem Heroes, 656 million. It makes more than all the other ones combined. But it's also, yeah, riddled with loot boxes and gotcha mechanics. Yeah. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp was not great. It was boring. I, it wasted your time. I mean, that's the thing is that. <sighs> Oh boy, this is going to sound uh, uh, elitist as fuck, but let's go with it. Nintendo has looked at the mobile market and looked at all the shit people were doing with it and picked out all the worst parts and put their label on it, and that's about it. Nintendo has always done interesting things with their IPs. They've done uh, odd things with their uh, software. They've done odd things with their hardware. They've put... They've always been very innovative, but their mobile games have been, you know, just farmed out with, you know, basically licensing and that's it. So the fact that five of the six have been, you know, lukewarm at best with the one that's making the most money is the one of the few actual, you know, uh, strategic uh, uh, games out there, but it's so riddled with loot boxes that you, you, know, you get to a point where you either just grind, grind, grind away or, you know, uh, just put in 10 bucks. It's just disheartening that they could have done so much more with this. And the fact that Super Mario Run did so poorly as well, yeah, definitely turned them off of uh, doing a, you know, pay once and that's it. But yeah, it was, it was a runner for 10 bucks. That, that's a hard sell, even with Mario, right? Yeah. Actually, I need to... Um... Yeah, I haven't really played any of the. Are there? Are there Hang other? On. I guess what Pokemon? Yeah, I've played three of these. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've played uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, which was okay, but the problem is that one, the arenas were just too damn small, so you couldn't really do much uh, strategically. It always felt like there was a right composition, a right answer, which for a tactics game feels boring and it was loot boxed to hell i played mario kart tour which it was basically all the bad elements of mario kart with once again gotcha mechanics and i played dr mario world and it looks like i'm one of the few that played dr mario world <laughs> and it was okay but it, it there, there were better games of the uh, it, it basically took dr mario and put a skin over a typical match three instead of making it Dr. Mario for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
And also they had, once again, gotcha mechanics where you had to get different uh, uh, doctors that had different power-ups and uh, there were various rarities of uh, doctors uh, out, of the, out of the loot crates and it's just, ugh. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the first time I've heard of Doctor the Dr. Mario. I've always been a fan of Dr. Mario. Well, I, I talked about it on the show at one point. Well, then it completely passed me by. Because I remember talking about this. I remember playing this. It, it was meh. Then that's probably why it didn't stick in my brain, if it was meh. Because it wouldn't have made an, an impression either way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really all that bummed to uh, to hear that they might be, you know, well, well okay, well, here's the... And, in addition, the quote, uh, company said that unsatisfied, or un, they said to be unsatisfied by the limitations of the mobile platform from a game design perspective. The company believes its franchise's Sean Bryce when coupled with designed by uh, Nintendo controllers, and it's never been fully comfortable with the touchscreen only interface of a phone. Wii U. Explain the Wii U then, right? Because that's a fucking tablet. But it's got a controller built into the tablet. I mean, that's basically the Switch. Well, well it also explains uh, why they never did anything with the Wii U, huh? Well, I mean, the Wii U was just a commercial f- failure. Like, it kind of fell into the problem of, like, well, there's no... Like, people don't own the Wii U, so let's not make software titles for and it. And also fell into the problem... people don't buy the Wii U. And it, and it also fell into the problem of, one, uh, it sounds like a siren. And two, it also sounds like an add-on for the Wii... And people thought, oh, well, I have a Wii. Why do I need an add-on for this? Yeah. The Wii U is really good, though. I mean, I've had a Wii U for a long time. Um, yeah, but Wii quite... U sounds weird after you say it for a while. Yeah, it's fine. Played quite a few games on it. I mean, before the Switch, I would take... Because the signal was strong enough to reach through the brick wall. So the console's sitting in the living room, and I could bring it into my office, and occasionally I would sit in here and play, like, Smash Bros. or something. But I mean, for a while, I played it quite a bit. Wow! Uh, okay. But I mean, this was years ago, like before we uh, even basically had the show. Yeah, sorry. Fire Emblem is basically the only thing that's keeping Nintendo even interested in this because they have an average per download revenue of forty-one dollars with Fire Emblem. That is insane. Yeah. Considering usually you get what ten, fifteen uh, percent of people that. Download a game, actually spend money on it, let alone the whales. There must be some fucking massive whales in that. Which, I mean, uh, there are, from what I've heard. People really love the Fire Emblem series. and Well, I want to get it on DS, but yeah, I don't want to play on mobile because, yeah, I I like my kidney where it is. I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have to sell my kidney to be able to uh, play a game. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, I'll probably get Fire Emblem. I, well, is there a Fire? There's probably a Fire Emblem on Switch at this point. There's not. Well, there, I, I think there is, actually. Because I've played a couple of the older Fire Emblem games, and I like them. I've actually never played a Fire Emblem game. It's been one of those series that I've balked at several times because just where to enter. Yeah. I mean, they're good strategy, turn-based strategy games. The permadeath was always uh, inter- an interesting option. And then the relationships were neat. Like, I've never gotten super invested in it. It's been a while since I've played one of them as well, so that's probably part of it. But anyways, yeah. So 
our final news topic e thing of the night yeah uh, we were running a little low on news so steam uh, does a monthly report of their top sellers and uh, new of new releases and dlc and the like and you know, since we were relying on uh, news this week i thought i thought oh, let's take a look at this right yeah so uh, anything that really stands out to you on this one i mean deep Lock galactic that got a full release i guess yeah i think it came out of early access a yeah it did month or did it come out in may out of oh, early I guess access so. in may? Uh, i guess it did um, because uh Hydra- yeah, may 13th okay hydroneer is interesting to see i um oh that looks fun i showed up in my discovery ah, queue yeah, a little yeah, while no. ago yeah, no, um, I, I forgot to wish list it back then I'm sad to see to see Shop Titans on here, which is a mobile game that I think we've played before, or at least a game like it. I think we saw it in uh, uh, Discovery Queue as well, or I know I did. Uh, it looks like uh, Dungeon Defenders almost. But, I mean, it's... Well, it's also free-to-play, so it, it's... Uh, yeah, it's just going by downloads, and I'm sure. I do like yeah. seeing Super Mega Baseball 3. I like seeing Nimbatus on here. I mean, it's just the fact that, you know, there's not a lot of sports games, so uh, Library of Runia, that's one of uh, uh, my discovery cues, and Golf with Your Friends. We had like, some wacky times with that. Did it, like, just come out of early access or something? I think it did. Oh, okay. Well, good for them. Yeah, they finished the game. Woo! Also, it looks uh, like they gave Quint everybody... Came yeah, to like, Steam. Yeah, sorry, I was... Saying, looks like they gave everybody that got in early access a DLC for it, uh, for uh, golf with your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mafia Three Observation supposed to be interesting, where you play an AI, you know, observing. Space Haven also looks pretty interesting. It's in early access though, uh, sort of a uh, base builder, only you're building a spaceship, but also trying to survive. Yeah. It also, looks like there's some. Uh, high-end uh, uh, ship uh, system ma- management going on as well, which could be fun. I've got it on my wish list, so it must have shown up in Discovery Queue at some point in the past. Yeah. And I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah, Shop Titans was the, was the top uh, free release, or I'm assuming free. Crucible, Gwent, also up there. Looks like House Flippers had a HGTV <laughs> crossover uh, DLC. Fine. Uh, go for it. That's right? cute. I like that. Uh, Civilization uh, Six, uh, New Frontier, the new uh, uh, season pass. What is this? And- Helltaker, a short game about sharply dressed demon girls, and Uh-oh. it's free. Oh, sure. Pretty Why sure I-, I had this on my discovery queue at some point. Possibly you did, and it's just something I'm have forgotten. I mean, we do see a lot of games. And usually by the time we get to Discovery Queue, it's like the end of the show. I'm wiped. Mm-hmm. And also Mortal Kombat Aftermath, which it, there there was a, a a big kerfuffle going on with this because it was actually a better deal to for new players to get the entire collection than it was for somebody buying Aftermath because uh, let's see, Aftermath in the Combat Bundle Pack is fifty dollars, but you could get the uh, the Mortal Kombat Aftermath collection, collection, verse 60, instead of having to get all the individual DLCs. Yeah. 
I want to buy Hydraneer. It's only 10 bucks. Like, that's super with an impulse buy range. Oh, God, PayPal. How much money is in my PayPal account right now? And how much do I have on my PayPal credit? Because I usually do PayPal credit, and then I'll pay mm-hmm. for it after the fact. Ooh. Got nearly 100 bucks on my PayPal credit balance right now. Mm. Oh, what's another 10? My thoughts exactly. Purchased Uh-oh. for myself. <laughs> All right. And purchase for your friend, right? Store. Hydroneer. Oh, well, uh, there goes more money, right? Yep. Done. Purchased. Well, I'm guess we're going to hear about Hydroneer next week. Possibly. I mean, I do have to play uh, a lot more Tyranny for Game Club. Yeah. Because I... I do like it. So, mm-hmm. yes, yes. PayPal credit. Sweet. $10.91 with tax. Neat. It is five gigabytes, so I will wait till after we're done recording to download that. But what the hell? Let's go for it. Um, anyways. And I think that is it for our news topics. Yeah. I didn't see anything on the Twitter, and I'm pretty sure there was anything on the emails. I'm just double checking to make triply sure. And no, there was not. So if uh, you wish to contribute, bglpodcast at gmail.com, bglpodcast on the Twitter, or leave something in our Discord like his cubeness did. So doobly-doo. Indeed. For a Discovery queue, And once again, I have my queue up. I have something really interesting. And I'm dropping it right there. So how about a little bit of a Titanfall? Oh, nice. Titanfall 2. And according to some reports, it's seeing sort of a renaissance on its multiplayer because Steam users are finally getting it because they didn't want to have to deal with Origin. And honestly, can't blame them because of the absolute clusterfuck I had to deal with to get Origin on my system. So it is actually well in the impulse buy range as well for 10 bucks, 67% off for the Ultimate Edition. I mean, right? Yeah. Titanfall but, 2. Uh, pretty good multiplayer. I've heard amazing things about the single player mode. Yeah. Yeah. I played the first Titanfall, which did not have a single player. It had kind mm-hmm. of a, a story that played out through one of the multiplayer modes. But, um, I mean, the game, the moment-to-moment gameplay from Titanfall is really good. And so, like, throwing that into single player, I've, I've also heard nothing but good things about it, so... Yeah, and and everything I heard, they really improved all the issues they had with Titanfall 1. The issue is they released in between two major first-person shooters from EA. So, or uh, between, uh, sorry, uh, Battlefield and uh, the Call of Duty for that year. So, yeah, they basically cannibalized what they would have had player-wise. And, you know, it just never was able to really get a good uh, uh, foothold. So it's interesting to see it getting sort of a renaissance now. We'll see how long that lasts. I mean, or see if they actually start developing the game again. Because uh, I believe Titanfall actually got put on the back burner. Or IP-wise. Because of just how Titanfall 2 did. So you've got... I got uh, Shipbreaker. Um, Well, Well, we were talking about this one earlier. Yeah, Shipbreaker looks phenomenal. Um, you're playing as like a salvage 
guy um, who is doing like ship ship breaking in the title. Um, and you're trying to salvage and get as much money as you can out of the ships. Um, you've got like this big debt that you have to pay off and um, you go through and upgrade your equipment and it's it's really, really good from what I've seen. I you know, haven't played it, but uh, a couple of YouTubers that I do watch like their Let's Play stuff for um, showed it off and it's, yeah, I mean, it's my kind of game. It's For the most part, it's slow, it's methodical. You uh, are dealing with some somewhat realistic in terms of like physics stuff um and it's a little bit of puzzle solving a little bit of uh kind of um a minecraft or not minecraft um like a mining survival type thing looks very good so i'm gonna pick this up at some point right now it's 20 percent off it's 20 bucks um i think i want to wait until it's a little bit farther along in early access it is supposed to have like a single player like story campaign. Right now, it's more of like a free play thing where you're just sort of building. Uh, actually, up they all your do stuff. have Act One of their campaign with 15 hours of gameplay. Okay, well, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna wait until and the story they, itself is done. Uh, yeah, their full campaign. They're looking at around 40 hours uh, to pay off your debt completely with uh, unlimited sandbox mode as well. With uh, procedurally generated ships, uh, various new ship categories, more missions and task types, leaderboards, daily challenges, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> so, yeah, I got a pretty uh, easy one to recommend. Persona 4 Golden. I mean, this one uh, really uh, set Steam on fire, huh? Indeed. Uh, this was uh, pretty much impossible to play, even with emulation. You could play Persona 4, but the Golden Edition, it was only on PlayStation Portable, I think. And PlayStation Port- uh, Portable emulation isn't that great. And this one had some issues from what I've heard. So the only way to really play it was uh, to get the original so- uh, software and hardware. But now you could just play it on PC with updated graphics, uh, increased uh, uh, resolutions, and yeah, it's—I mean, it's twenty bucks as well for a Persona game. Which uh, this is the first one on PC, and I don't actually know a lot about the story because Persona is one of those games that it's a, a part visual novel, part, part life sim, part RPG. It is kind of this crazy mashup, but it is quite impressive the, just the uh, fanfare it got uh, when it came to Steam so I think we'll see more in the future right wasn't Persona or hasn't Persona in the past been exclusively uh, PlayStation uh, or yeah, Sony exclusively. yeah yeah I mean this is you know what we've talked about a couple of times like everyone's wising up to putting stuff on PC mm-hmm. so. yeah it doesn't cannibalize their sales that much especially if it's been you know a decade yeah so all right, um, I got I actually had several that either you talked about last week or something like that. Um, but this is uh, the Waylanders. This is a uh, branded as a classic party-based RPG uh, featuring top talent from people who brought you games like Dragon Age, Mass Effect, or Pillars of Eternity. Um, but it's it's a Celtic, like it's a game, an RPG based in Celtic mythology, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so don't see very much stuff related to that. Um, 
but it looks like it's got you know character creation system that person looks like wolverine that's interesting um wolverine maybe a little bit of like pausing battle system to queue up turn or to queue up orders and stuff like that um but it looks like it's gonna it's gonna be very fantasy based with magic and gods and etc but looks uh looks neat well, going from stuff like this. Well, going from fantasy to sci-fi, I got Detroit Become Human. Basically, David Cage. So, if you're not a fan of his work or have heard, you know, know what to expect from it, yeah. But once again, this is another one of those uh, games coming from exclusivity onto PC, and yeah, you know, Sony wising up that they've been losing sales for quite a while. I mean, the graphics are quite phenomenal, but yeah, you know, it is David Cage story. So yeah, that is right. Yeah, it is a I, little cringy. Yeah, which, I, I'm sure it makes me a terrible human being for uh, criticizing the uh, mastery that is his uh, storytelling. I have wanted to play this though. Like how how much is it? Twenty uh, thirty five thirty six bucks. Yeah, thir- yeah, it's forty normally. I mean, I'll I'll buy that. I at mean. Some I, point. Yeah, I mean, you get Heavy Rain Beyond Two Souls in Detroit for sixty-five. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy all those at some point. Um, I've been, I've wanted to play those games for a long time. Like, you know, I know that he, that he can be cringy and stuff like that for sure, but I like those types of games. And because I haven't had a PlayStation in forever, and emulation is not all there for the PS3 and PS4 titles. PS3 better i think than ps4 but you know i'd be happy to give them some money though and play them play ports of them um but i got uh, iron harvest which is i pretty sure a board game this is a real-time strategy game but i think iron harvest is a board game and it's a immediate post world war one diesel punk game with uh mech combat I've been interested in this setting. Like some of my background pictures are from uh, screenshots and things, or not screenshots, but like the artwork that they've done for the board game, um, which is very like ominous. Like seeing like World War One like trenches and battlefields with like these big mechs in the background. It's very interesting. Um, So. I'd I'd heard about this um, a few months ago, I guess. So it's good to like see it on Steam. Um, it might have been like a Kickstarter thing or something like that. I can't one hundred percent remember where I originally saw like the plans for this game, but I'm into it. I'm into a good real time strategy. Everyone knows at this point my love of of mech related things. So I'm in. And also the fact that it's alternate history as well, right? Yeah, that's also a, a big selling point for me. So I got another one that's escaped exclusivity. The Outer Wilds. Uh, one that I'll often gets confused with the Outer Worlds because, right? Yeah. Uh, stuck in a time loop uh, open world mystery game. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I just never really paid that much attention because epic exclusivity. So uh, 25 bucks normally down to almost 15, well, uh, almost 16, sorry. I mean, it's nice to see you know, uh, this getting off epic to a store I would actually uh, want to buy it from. I want to look into it a little bit more though. It's a little bit outside of impulse buy range, but it looks quirky, it looks fun. And yeah. You know, a good mystery, right? Yeah. This feels like a demo I played at some point, and I'm not sure 
if this it, I'm looking at that first screenshot once again. I'm not sure if it's just yeah a similar feel, or if it's uh, if this is a, a continuation of a demo I played years ago. It could be actually. So anyway, uh, you're up. I got truck and logistics simulator. Um, I think I had that at one point or something similar. Go for it though. Take control of more than twenty unique vehicles to perform complex loading tasks and deliver the diverse cargo. Okay, no, sorry, I haven't had this. I haven't had this. So it looks like uh, like a pretty hardcore, or maybe not hardcore, but a pretty full transportation simulation. Like you load up the the pallet of goods into the thing, and you take it to the station, and then you load it onto the truck, and then the truck delivers it to the next station, and so on and so forth from beginning to end. Um, I see some like European stuff and some American stuff in here. Um, so that's interesting uh, in terms of just like the trucks. So perhaps yeah. there's different yeah, look maps at the re- or yeah, look at the reviews for this. It looks like they're they have a long way to go on early access. Oh, it's cooperative. Okay, I saw a multiplayer thing and I was like, mm, I hope it's cooperative. I don't know how you could do this competitive, but I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, cross-platform multiplayer with cooperative missions. Make convoys and deliver together with your friends. Rage, do you want to do some deliveries? <laughs> well, we could. Oh, um, is this available now? Yeah, you can buy it for 15 bucks right now, but it is an early access. I guess it just launched into early access. Looks like yesterday it launched into early access. Yeah, it looks like people are saying that's very arcadey and that there's no penalty for just speeding and there's a long way to go and a short time to get there. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on it. I mean, it, you uh, know, if, it, if it turns out to be like a good in-depth game, yeah, then I'd on. be down to pick up a copy. Yeah, hang on. I'm looking to... S- uh, they have a, a fair amount of just almost shovelware-esque games. Uh, take a look at their other games. I mean, all right. Um, Autobahn Police Simulator. I actually have that from a review key at some point, and it's garbage. I don't have much faith in this for the most part. Maybe this is a breakout success game. I hope so. Uh, are you sure it's not Autobahn Police Simulator 2? Electric a Boogaloo? Bus Mechanic Simulator. On the Road Truck Simulator. Hmm. Police Helicopter Simulator. Uh, my Paper Boat is on here. So shall I talk about another game then? Yeah, go for it. Uh, how about a clay game from Clay Entertainment? Griftlands released into early access uh, last week. A Griftlands is a deck building roguelite where you negotiate, fight, steal, or otherwise persuade others to get uh, your way. So, ro- uh, RPG deck building. I mean, right? With let's see, there's. I'm just looking on the screenshots. There's. At least two different decks that you build up uh, for each character, and it's you know it's a clay game. So clay is hit or miss for me for their genre of game, but they always produce quality shit. So it is. I'm very interested in this one. This one is going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. So yeah, over the weekend, and they have quite the uh, reputation for their previous games. Gotcha. Uh, you're, right, so uh, you're saying? Yeah, I've got one. I was just watching the uh, video to try and understand it a little bit better. But Link incoming. Chaos Galaxy. 
Um, this is a sort of 2D pixel arty style combination of like a 4X strategy game and also like something like Advanced Wars for the combat. Um, set in the future, there's apparently 14 different factions, and it's a, a you know, a t- like I said, 4X Total War game where you can build uh, mecha spaceships. Um, you know, fleets of them manage planets and infrastructure and research um, and do 4 xy things. I, but I like the, the combination. Like, I'm normally, I mean, I don't, like, hate, like, 2D pixel art, but I'm normally not, like, sold on it. But this looks like it was ripped straight out of, like, the, the mid-80s and transported to the future. Like, somebody's really ambitious, like you know nes or snes project uh that just uh, they put on the back burner because uh, like lucas the technology wasn't there <laughs> indeed but this looks really good uh you know it could be total garbage but it's only 15 bucks if i hadn't in pause pulse bought so many things this week i would have i would be buying this right now but i'm gonna put that on hold wait another month or two until i uh, refill my uh, PayPal coffers, and then perhaps I'll be impulse buying it then. Well, I have Torchlight 3, unfortunately. So this was originally going to be a, I believe it was a mobile title, or uh, a free online title that they decided to bu- uh, buff up to a full game. I released it to early access, and it's gotten just right across the coals in reviews. It, people are saying that soulless, that there's just not enough there. There's been server issues for the online play. There's it, it needs a lot of work, which is a shame because Torchlight is an amazing game. Uh, Torchlight and Torchlight Two. I would say Torchlight Two is by far my favorite ARPG, and it just breaks my heart to see this happen. You know? Yeah. Um, but it is early access, so maybe they could uh, work it out. But this is also it's being developed by Perfect World, so right. Yeah. So I'm I'm done with my queue. My last game was just porn, and uh, our no porn game well, policy. Yeah. Still still stand. It didn't even look like a good porn game either. So well, I'm not even gonna talk I, about I, it. I still have a couple more. So Secret Government, a 4x strategy where you are a secret society ruling the world and uh, and pushing different countries with your whim. It is very, very interesting. Uh, remain unseen. They have, uh, oh, sorry, secret government is a grand strategy about uh, a secret society. Remaining unseen, they have been ruling mankind for hundreds of years. Your role will not be just to lead any particular country or region, but the Brotherhood, a centuries-old organization that works in the shadows and manipulates the entire world. Pull the strings of fate as you influence the present and future of on a global scale, uh, reconstructing the uh, world or the whole world to your liking. I mean, that is fascinating. Now, the question is, you know, does it work out in the long run? Uh, basically, playing all the nations and trying to keep things in balance right the illuminati pretty much just uh, i wanted to see what else they've made and they actually made some pretty decent games as well so there is a chance that this could be really good 
So we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Um, I'm a mechanic uh, game. Uh, what the hell? So barn finders, where you go into barns and find the uh, vehicles to fix up. It looks like, and then auction them <laughs> on what basically looks like a you know TLC esque uh, reality show, right? I was gonna say, does it have a, like a reality TV slant? That would be interesting. Yeah, it does. It does actually. There, there's some sort of auction going on as well that looks like it's straight up like storage wars or something. But you're also working on rebuilding your stuff, getting different parts for uh, stuff. Some sort of uh, auction going on that's like storage wars. It's interesting. It's a odd uh, take on sort of the mechanical uh, or uh, rebuilding mechanic uh, mechanic simulator, I guess I should say. There's also some sort of lock picking going on. I'm not sure if you're stealing shit or if you're just having to try to open chests or what. Yeah, interesting. And it also looks like you go through and uh, play a little scavenger hunt of trying to find shit as well. Uh, 13 bucks. It does have a demo. Hmm. It's from the same developer that uh, did House Flipper. <laughs> or, sorry, the same publisher, I think. Or they have some sort of... Uh, no, it's not the same developer. It looks like they have a uh, bundle going on with it, though. So there's some sort of cross-pollinization going on there. Uh, super fun, casual, hidden object, House Flipper-esque game. So there, there you go, right? Let's see. I'm getting all the good shit. Uh, my entire queue, outside of the one that was a repeat of yours has been good. Help will come tomorrow. In an uninhabitable Siberian wilderness, in the wake of October Revolution, a group of passengers survives on the mysterious catastrophe of the Trans-Siberian Railway Train. Uh, They uh, must endure a harsh, cold, uh, ice-clad climate until a rescue arrives. Looks like some negative feedback, but there's also some positive feedback as well, so... I mean, looks interesting, right? Uh, Looks like it's a very story-driven... uh, survival game. Yeah, I, I remember having this one a while back, uh, yeah. a few weeks, maybe a month. Yeah, well, well, it wasn't this week, so, right? That is true, it wasn't this week. Yeah, it's from the same developer as We the Revolution. So, and my last one, um, oh, what the hell? I, I had one hell of a cue, didn't I? <laughs> What's your last one? Tainted Grail. Tainted Grail. Uh, conquer Avalon in a hardcore roguelite mode or unravel the mysteries of Guardian Mothers in a narrative-driven open-world RPG. So a dual game. It's in early access. This feels familiar somehow, but I'm not sure if it's just you know, sort of that yeah, feel uh, of the game, you know? So it has two different modes that you can play in. It's good deck building as well, according to the... Yeah. Uh, Grim, dark, roguelike, and deck building. I mean, damn, right? I mean, uh, another deck builder. I didn't see it in the screenshots, but there it is, right? Yep. So Base some, building. Uh, yeah. So that could be fun, huh? Certainly different. Or sounds <laughs> different anyways. Yeah, that was my last one, too. It looks like uh, they're working on uh, a new combat system based on creating it. Interesting combos out of skills, runes, and items. Character customization and development is being worked on. A unique blend of roguelike and uh, RPG. So, uh, randomly generated maps, but probably a set story on it. That's definitely, I, I think it's because it has this sort of uh, tilt, uh, tilt shift. It feels like a, a miniature game, doesn't it? Especially looking at some of the uh, 
uh, screenshots instead of an ARPG. It has a nice change of pace. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I didn't I didn't think of it as like a with a tilt shifting. I was like, oh, that's an interesting look. But no, you're right. Yeah, there's just a, it's amazing a little thing like that could uh, really change the feel of a game, huh? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is my cue. Uh, pretty much my entire cue. Sweet. There's, there was like one repeat that I got. I got a uh, truck and logistics simulator as well, and I had one game that just looked like trash. I think. No, no. Uh, the only one I didn't uh, report was uh, the one that was a repeat of yours. So that was my entire queue. Was worth at least talking about. Nice. Well, damn Rage. right. Indeed. Why don't uh, Why don't you hit them with them socials? We'll talk about that. Well, in a second. I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me. On Twitter, gaming with CR, or if yours to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage over there. And you've been Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707 or on Steam, send me a friend request at JArthur4707. If you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Impulse Spa. Impulse Spa. <laughs> yep, that's, that's fair. Uh, I couldn't resist that one. So, once again, if you wish to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Or uh, do as uh, his cubeness did, and just leave it on our Discord, which you can find over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, which has links to all our stuff, where you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, your podcatcher of choice. And all of this has been uh, made possible by our lovely, lovely patrons, patreon.com slash bgl podcast over there our intro and outro music is on the ground back in mcloyd and our discovery key music is doobly doo by the same artist you can find his work over at compudeck.com and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice bye bye now see you next time bye bye